0: One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between counting. One, two, three, Peter Pond, every day, I'm down with three feet, everybody
1: else, oh, okay. come Hello, welcome to the corner to three movie podcast for continuity errors.
0: Yeah,
1: that's the three by three that Kelly Wand has decreed that we shall do. But first I should let you know. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Molzinski.
2: Uh, it's actually Andrew Latis.
1: And Kelly Wand, is there a tagline for the 3x3, or should you just reiterate what restate what it is?
0: Uh, this is when things...
2: <laughs> what?
1: It <laughs> bodes well for Kelly Wand's list. I can't wait to see what he's come up with.
2: I love first, the idea of that being on a poster. This is when things...
0: <laughs> that's, my cat, that's my tagline. It's Would there complete. be an ellipsis after that, Kelly Wan, or is no. that just the whole thing? Exclamation point. <laughs> I'm going all in. We'll do it live. Before Write we do a three-minute though,
1: I have a very important question for you, gentlemen. <laughs> Kelly Wan, I'd like to start with you. Oh, uh, yes. the movie you me. saw
0: this past week? Uh... Wow. I watched the fellowship picture, The Shape of Water. Finally, ah, uh, have we have uh, we talked about that on the podcast? I don't guess we have. All right, so you, you we have.
2: Uh, we talked about it because I I watched it during one of these uh, these talks. I think.
1: Oh, okay. So, Kelly, Run, what's another movie you've seen this week? No, no, he can talk about it because he's finally seen it. But we want to bring the listeners a new movie to talk about, and that's like I, I get excited. I want to know what's a new movie that you guys have seen that I didn't know that you've seen.
0: Uh, I watched the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I watched Dread. Which one of those do you want? To Why take? did you watch a third Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Because I have like a really good TV and only German Netflix, so I'm and a lot <laughs> of time on my hands, so I'm drawn to things that I think will look cool stoned on my large television for like. And how did that work hours. out? The, what What is the subtitle
1: of this last one? the The, the Reef what, of the the Sparrow of Pirates, right?
0: No, I get this fourth one and the second one mixed up because they both have the phrase dead man. Oh, wait, you didn't see the most recent one. No, I'm I'm watching them so I don't miss. So out of (laughs) date. All right. So this one was the Pearl of the Forgotten Rum Barrel. I watched all three of them because I wanted to understand them because I was told (laughs) they're really confusing and I only seen parts of the first one. So I wanted to understand them better.
1: Huh, and now okay. I really
0: get them. How's but, that a Johnny Depp
1: performance working out for you?
0: Um, it, I would. I'm surprised he's not sick of it because it involves a lot of flouncing around. Like uh, who's Kramer? Richard
2: Michael, Michael Richards. Richards. Michael Richards.
0: Michael Richard Dreyfus. There's so a lot.
2: You, of, you think that when Johnny Depp came up with the character, which was based on Keith Richards, he didn't think. Well, maybe we'll be doing eight of these and I'll get tired of it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And Keith Richards is in it, too. And he's barely in it. Oh, he that one. Yeah. OK, out. I do know which one you're talking about. Yeah. He just shows up at a meeting of the pirates and go and the guy's like, the rules are stupid. And then the, Keith Richards shoots him and then goes back to sleep. <laughs> Let's see what he woke up for. And then. <sighs> how come? And then he raises like a little shrunken head skull.
2: Yeah, time. so
1: I guess I've only seen two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Dingus, what's your
2: score? Uh, I'm going to say two, probably. I don't know. I've been on the ride a couple of times.
0: I didn't understand why they killed a kraken. I still don't understand that. Oh, well, they're right. Like they fight a giant octopus, right? Yeah. And is then that the, cool? Like 20,000 leagues under the sea. That's cool. And the fact that the the cliffhanger at the end of the second one is that the British Navy gets the kraken because they get it. Whoa. The, the Kraken guy's heart, so he has to do whatever they say, so they use it to just kill all the pirates with the Kraken. So the, the British Navy, it's this totally cool alternate history, actually.
1: What is that alternate history thing where the, the French get magic during, like, the 19th century? Oh, uh, there
0: was a TV Strange and Mr. Norrell. I read Thank that you. last year. Yeah, That's like wow. it, The idea of the British Navy having a Kraken made me think of that. It's awesome. But the French don't seem to have any good magicians either like it seems one-sided but at the end of the Pirates movie it's uh, Orlando Bloom's character the, the Legolas the, yeah Legolas the boring one he has he kills uh, Bill Nye's character so he has to go in the Flying Dutchman and he he fucks Kira Knightley and then he has to go away for 10 years and then he gets to come back for a day so he gets to see her once every 10 years and that's the happy ending of the trip like that's where that those characters wind up <laughs> So I'm really curious what happens in the fifth one now, if that's how often he has to do Wait, the kids. fourth one? He, they're not in the fourth one. It's just Johnny Depp. And then I guess oh. <laughs> Kieran Eilert in the fifth one again.
1: Is the English Navy wielding a Kraken in the fourth one?
0: No, because now um, they, that's the thing. They, the guy just says, you just find it dead on a beach. And they're like, oh, the Kraken died <laughs> in the third oh. one. <laughs> they didn't
1: get a lot of mileage out of it then. they just
0: No, used they use it. it for half of the movie, and then they just kill it for no reason. And then there's Johnny Depp just stares at it, and it killed him. That's the other thing. <sighs> Vera Nightly
2: turns the Kraken on Johnny Depp at the end of
0: the second one.
2: and she like. When you say it. the British Navy gets the Kraken, it sounds like yeah. they found it like in a box of Cracker Jacks. They're like, oh, look what we got. We got the a Kraken. A box of Kraken Jacks. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Dingus, does anything Kelly Wan say make you want to see Pirates of the Caribbean, the curse of the Kraken's heart?
2: Mm, no i like i I love the idea of one he said that johnny depp is alone in the next one so i'm just imagining him (laughs) doing like a castaway version it's It's like a black box theater production (laughs) exactly (laughs) but also remember in matrix
0: revolutions when all i can already tell you the answer to this yeah exactly i can tell you the answer to that question will be no and it's like it's just him and one of them fighting in the rain for 20 minutes and the rest of them just staring watching
1: yeah, like, I can't you know, say I'd remember that.
0: And Kelly Pirates Wans- is the same thing. Like, the whole British Navy's there, and all the Pirates are there. And then instead, just one ship each comes out, and they fight in the rain. And it's exactly the same thing, right,
1: inconclusively. Right. So, Kelly Wan, quickly give us a couple of lines about what you thought of Shape of Water.
0: I, I like the masturbation, it. but I didn't understand why Stuhlbarg went to the extraction if he's – he knows that he's being watched already. He's suspicious and has a knife earlier, but then he goes to – you mean a few words? <laughs> You're it's also all right. kind of just jumping to the conclusion, which might spoil things for people who haven't seen it yet. So Well what uh, you said, when you when your your negative comment about it was it wasn't Pan's Labyrinth dark? I think. Right. It was a little soft for me. Yeah. And that's true, but also it's like there's no sense Pan's Labyrinth, you saw a lot of the labyrinth. And there's a lot of the other world. And in this, it mostly takes place in that facility. And you don't get to see any of the underworld shit. Even though the poster makes it look like you do. And the poster gives away a lot.
2: Um, but yeah, I guess it's material. You get a lot of, like, Baltimore in the olden days. Yeah. impossible possible like- of the ocean in Baltimore. I don't know how we're going to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. I liked uh, when Richard Jenkins did the thing with the pie. Like, he wiped the pie off of his tongue.
1: Do <laughs> you remember that part?
0: <laughs> I do, I do. I loved that I love
1: that scene. I love how that played against uh expectations. Again and again, I I think that it's a movie about sexuality. So I, yeah. I think what we know about Richard Jenkins' character and the resolution of that scene is super important. Uh, yeah.
0: And Michael uh, was good too. He was funny. <laughs>
1: he was I loved him also changing his uh I D from fifty seven to fifty one and how crestfallen he was that uh, or no, from 51 to 57 and how crestfallen he was.
0: He had to do that. Yeah. He's really upset about weird things in that movie. Yeah. And he's not yeah. upset about other things like his fingers turning black. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. So uh, Dingus, do you want to go next? Or do you want me to go next? You go ahead. <laughs> so I took a bullet for you guys. You're welcome. Let me just say off, off the bat, this is a movie and I've, I've come a long way since Battleship when I'm watching the opening credits for a movie and it lists a whole bunch of actors. And then it says with Taylor Kitsch. And I sit up and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. OK, my favorite. Like, I'm happy. To, I'm happy about that. I'm ha- and I'm happy, too, that he gets a special with kind of credit rather than just being lumped in with everyone He's else. He's like a guest star. He is, and he's very much – this is an ensemble movie I'm about to tell you about, so it's not for, from anything in the script that he gets that. It's just where he is in his career. Uh, so I really liked that he got oh, a win. John whiz. Carter. Yeah, yeah. so – oh, John Carter. That's right. Yeah. Wow, that was Taylor Kitsch, too. Yeah, how about that?
0: That's, that was our introduction to him.
1: Well, we've come so far. Uh, so <laughs> uh, this is a movie that I consistently confused with another release called Twelve Strong – uh, there are a couple movies that came out about the same time, one called Only the Brave, another one called Twelve Strong, and I knew that oh. one of them was about a bunch of firefighters who were suddenly killed in Arizona. Uh, they were just overwhelmed by the, the, a wildfire, and, and they all died. And It was this horrific accident where a bunch of them died, so I didn't know if that was Twelve Strong or Only the Brave because they both have the same kind of uh, title. Uh, Sounds fun like. to watch, though, either way. Well, only – so only the brave uh, – what I actually didn't remember, it was 19 of them, not 12 of them that got killed uh, just, like, just like that. I mean it, they were fighting a, a wildfire get, in Arizona. They got trapped,
2: right? They got trapped in, a, in the middle of a fire.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it snuck up on them, and they, they couldn't get away in time. And I'm fa- I was fascinated by – at the time, how does that happen? You know, because they were experienced firefighters, too. This was a this was a, a, a squad of what's called hot shots. They're the frontline guys. Uh, they fly around the country to different wildfires. They know what they're doing. So how is it that 19 of them suddenly died uh, like that? And I wanted to watch this movie. And this is a movie, too, where – how do you make – this is one of these movies that would be over in five minutes. You know, how are you yeah. going to make a story about something where they just suddenly die? Uh and as you can imagine, there's a couple of ways you could approach this. Uh, and the way I was hoping is not what this movie was. What <laughs> I wanted, I was, I was really looking forward to an explanation of how this happened and maybe some cool procedural stuff about fighting yeah. fires. Deepwater uh, Horizon. kind of. Thing. Exactly. Deepwater Horizon is a classic example of Peter Berg knew what he was doing. and He made a really cool thriller that had a lot of interesting procedural stuff as a way to introduce the characters. That's not what this is. This is based on a GQ article. Uh, and it's directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who did Tron Legacy and then Oblivion, Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, he's batting 500, uh, and this is his third movie, pretty much. Better
0: Taylor Kitsch.
1: Well, the cast is great. It's basically a lot of Josh Brolin, whole lot of Josh Brolin, which is a good thing to have anchoring your movie. There's some James Badge Dale in there. Uh, You've got Taylor Kitsch. You've got some really good Miles Teller, by the way. Miles Teller plays uh, a... he's a... A, a fuck up who is trying to do better. He's a total schlub at the beginning of the movie. Uh, you're not sympathetic to him. He's a jerk. You don't like him. And the movie is about him wanting to make himself better, and nobody really liking him. Uh, so it's it's not. It's more whiplash Miles Teller, and not Fantastic Four super successful, brash, uh, smug actor Miles Teller. Um, mm-hmm. So you've well, got this. The, ensemble. Isn't there like a long-suffering wife in it or something? Well, you have Jennifer Connelly doing the thing that she could do in her sleep. Is yeah, she's the supportive wife role. Uh. Uh, once again, yeah, uh, and she's you know she's good at it. She uh, wish she could do more stuff. It's unfortunate, uh, but no, she's the supportive wife here. And Jeff Bridges is the crusty old fire chief guy. Uh. <laughs> but hold so, down these career paths, it's like. Okay. Well, I'm okay with seeing these things, though. Like these, these people do these things repeatedly for a reason, uh, and, yeah. and and if the writing is good, I'm okay with that. Uh, but what mm. you're gonna do in this movie that should be over in five minutes, instead of it being a procedural, and that's one of the movie's problems, by the way. This movie does nothing to communicate why or how they're fighting these why they're firefighting technique, why they're doing the stuff they're doing. It just shows them digging a little and, – and by a trench, it's like a little shallow thing, like you would plant seeds in or something. It's not like a foxhole. They just dig a long trench, and I'm looking at it thinking, how is that was that a fire break? I could, could a break. step over okay. it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a cool part that where they show how a controlled burn works by heading off a fire and depriving it of fuel – and you know, living here in, in Southern California, like Dingus and I do, we're acquainted, we, we hear about fire, wildfires a lot, and we you sort of, through osmosis, absorb how they get fought, how, you, how do you fight a, a wildfire, and what things mean, like the percentage of containment and all that stuff. Uh, so there's a point where they show how a controlled burn works, but they don't explain it at all, and I think the average person watching wouldn't understand that's what's going on. You know, it just shows them running around setting fires, and, and it's not really explaining the whole point of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of footage without much procedural stuff, um, and it, it's paced weirdly. Uh, you spend an hour and a half meeting the characters, and then basically another 30 minutes watching uh-huh. them fight like the fire. Skyline. And then the last 10 minutes, oops, and they're all dead. And it really is like that. There's no explanation in this movie, like Hindenburg movie for what happened. Well, Hindenburg, the bomb blew up in George C. Scott's face. So we all know that's what did yeah.
2: Hindenburg in. There's three hours before that of everyone but there's, getting There's some something drinks. poetic. There's something poetic to be done with that if you wanted to. I mean, there's almost a play-like quality. If you're going to be uh, walling them in with fire, you could sort of do a bunch of poetic things with their, with that if you wanted to. Well, and the procedural idea is what would be most interesting to me as well, and it's really sad that none of that happens.
1: The poetic idea is interesting thing is because it looks like it might do that. It opens with Josh Brolin having a nightmare of moving into a wildfire and a a, a, a bear-shaped flame erupting out and rushing at him. And you're like, oh, what is that weird dream he had? Or you know, it's <laughs> a crazy CG of a burn of a bear fire. And it's oh, the the fire is expressed as a bear, and we're gonna see more of that. And every now and then Josh Berlin will talk to the fire and say things like, What are you doing, you bitch? And like he's gazing out over the valley at the fire in the distance and talking to it. And and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe like backdraft, it'll try to make the fire alive or something like that. But uh, nothing okay. like that happens, although Josh Berlin does get a monologue where he talks about how early in his career They were fighting a fire, and a bear came running out, burning. The bear was on fire, and it ran past them, and presumably died, and how striking that was as an image. So what Joseph Kaczynski has shown us is his memory of a bear on fire, but because you don't want to freak the audience out by killing a bear in a gruesome way, it's a CG shape of a bear made out of fire. Uh, There's no – Point, and it happens twice in the movie. There's no point where you see a burning bear running out of the fire. You instead see the fire characterized as, as a CG-shaped bear kind of thing. Well, that's what uh, I would expect. Who <laughs> would want them to kill a real bear? Well, well, that's ho- that's a horrific image, is a bear sure. consumed by fire running out of a, of a wildfire. And the movie doesn't want to show us that as, as Josh Brolin's character remembers it. The movie wants to show us an ambiguous CG Oh, image. you're saying it looks deliberately... Well, it looks like it's going to present the fire as a wild creature. Instead, this is a memory that's haunted James Brolin about the fire defeating nature, defeating the power of nature. He's just afraid so, of CG. Well, it's afraid of, I think, showing the image of an animal on fire because it's right. not a bear on fire that we see. It is a, a, a bear-shaped flame. Mm. in in the, the dream it's not a horrific thing where a bear is getting killed uh by flames it's a thing where flames are expressed in the shape of a bear it's it's a weird thing but but anyway what i'm getting at is this movie doesn't take a poetic approach it's not a procedural it is a a rotely reverent soap opera which is the mm. absolute worst uh. thing it could do as far as losing my interest as it goes along uh mm. and i yeah like an erwin allen movie like earthquake? No, not even that. Because Erwin Allen will have the courage to give people gruesome, horrifying deaths. Well, that's and, true. And and this movie doesn't even do that. It just makes you like these characters, and then very abruptly says, "Oh, and now a fire has killed them. Let's cut to the funeral and the grieving wives, and then let's cut to the, the scene at the end where we show all 19 of their pictures, uh, which uh, you know I, they were you know, their their deaths were horrific, and these were men who knew what they were up against. And I, I was still puzzled why did these why did these experienced guys die? You know what ha- what happened? You still don't uh, know. Well, eh, unfortunately, we kind of do. Uh, just was that cinematic as two hours? It's not cinematic at all, and, and uh, it's just a bummer. So what what happened initially was uh, the the inevitable investigation, like a year or so later, pinned the responsibility on the forestry department in Arizona for not pulling them out sooner uh, because conditions uh, were developing with a nearby (laughs) thunderstorm. Like the winds were building up, and they should have said sooner, you know what? This is a lost cause. Pull back the firefighters. But they didn't, and the the criticism levied against the forestry division, and they were uh, fined a half a million dollars, was that they valued the property over the safety of the firefighters. So that Uh, that was the official conclusion, but reading between the lines, it's really not clear why Eric Marsh, who was this 43-year-old veteran, played by Josh Brolin, who led these men, uh, why he took them where he took them. Uh, because they were in a safe place. And at a certain point, he said, okay, we're moving. And he moved them to a very unsafe place uh, where he couldn't see where the fire was. It was a little dip, a, a valley. So when the fire was approaching them, you know, he didn't see it coming. Like, he knew that the winds were, were building. He knew he was in a safe place. And for a reason that's not clear, he decided to move from that safe place. And it's not even clear where he was going. Uh, and he took them someplace where they couldn't see the fire, and it rushed in and, and, and killed them. And it's horrific, too. Like, it, they, they died so quickly. They, the movie does show some cool things. Uh, all these firefighters are equipped with a foil sheet that if the fire is going to overcome you, you lay in the dirt and you pull it over you. And presumably, and this has saved some people, the fire will burn past you and it will protect you. Um, um. But they didn't even – some of them didn't even have time to get to get in this little they, – they do drills, and they can get in this position. It's in a pack on their belt, and in 30 seconds, they should be able to get it out and then be fully uh, stretched out on the ground. You need your feet towards the fire. This isn't in the movie, but it's a cool detail. You put the rookies in the middle and the experienced guys ringing the outside, which is, I think, a very poignant touch. Uh, and in thirty seconds, they can deploy underneath these little safety sheets. Um, but they didn't ha- even have time to use these, and it probably wouldn't have saved them anyway. Um, huh. So, uh, super disappointing movie. Uh, I, you know, I like the cast a lot.
0: Um, My otherwise... favorite fireman procedural is uh,
2: *Rock Sand*.
0: Ah, with Rick Rossovich as a fireman. Yeah,
1: I prefer *Always*. <laughs>
2: I prefer Roxanne too. All right, well Roxanne wins.
1: So Fingus, it is now
2: your turn. <laughs> Doesn't Wait. um oh, yeah. Nicholas Cage see a flaming bear running out and knowing?
1: Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he accosts
0: it. What are you
1: doing?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I feel like I just saw something with fiery horses, but I can't remember what it is. Maybe it's Pirates of the Caribbean. It, nah, like,
1: it does sound familiar, Calliwan. Like a burning, a bunch of burning horses. Shoot, what did yeah. we see? Dingus, these- help us out. What did we see with a bunch of burning horses? Jeez. Alright, I guess Dingus didn't see it, Calliwan. It's something you and I saw.
0: Or it was called Jeez.
2: <laughs> After his butler. Uh, Alright, so I saw... Um, I want to talk about two movies right now. Whoa. One of them I saw... Uh, because I, I was really kind of I'm, – I'm keen on – I like this idea of watching a movie for this, um, particularly based on this. So I watched a movie called Love Song, um, mainly because one of our listeners, uh, Chris Webb, chose it, I think, as his number one movie of last year. Uh, um, Love Song has Riley Keog. Is that how you say her name, Keog. I think it's just Keog. You don't have to worry about the G. All right. I get caught on it. it kind of gets caught on my throat. Just
1: ignore it. Pretend it's not there.
2: All right. It has Riley Keough in it. Uh, uh, also has Jenna Malone. Um, Carrie Joji Fukunaga has a small part, by the way. Uh, we know who and, that is? Yeah, Carrie Fukunaga. Oh, the director? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Carrie
1: Joji. I thought you were saying some long Japanese name.
2: Well, no, his middle name is Joji. Oh, oh okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Joji Fukunaga, uh, even though I think he's from Mexico. Um, uh, we know him from, uh, you know, like, uh, True Detective and Sinombre. I think it was Jane Eyre and Sinobre. Uh Yeah, we've done a couple of his podcasts uh, of his movies. Um, and I was really looking forward to watching this movie. Uh, and I was really pretty disappointed by it because um, – uh, and I'm sorry to say this cause I know Chris Webb was totally blown away by it. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I decided I've been meaning this is, you know, I'm doing this sort of, you know, I'm going to watch all the movies I haven't seen that have been nominated for Oscars. And Ugh. also all the movies I meant to see at the end of the year before making my list. And I really wanted to see love song as well, because I know that I think, uh, this knocked, um, lady Bird off of, uh, Chris's list. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's directed by somebody named So Young Kim. And it really has this feel of a movie uh, where the actors are allowed to just talk. And um, this is one of those moments where you're watching a movie and you really feel like, Oh my gosh, this is why we have screenwriters. You know, In some cases, uh, you can have a situation like um, – who did Secrets and Lies? Help me out, guys. Mike Lee. Is it Mike Lee? Um, uh, where you can give people a structure or even curb your enthusiasm, which works in the later seasons as the character, as the actors get used to, to doing this type of thing. Where you can give them the structure of a scene and say, just go. And we'll get a script out of that. This movie tries to do that and doesn't quite get there. Even though Riley Keough is amazing. She's actually really, really good in this movie. Uh, I don't think Jenna Malone is quite up to it. And I don't think they have enough uh, chemistry to work together. Uh, which is a huge problem because of what the movie is trying to say. I don't want to say too much because I think that I think Love Song is worth watching for a couple of reasons, but it was just disappointing to me. So I don't want to say too much. I do want to say, however, that I watched it with, um, with our friend Alexandra and we were both frustrated by this feeling that people don't talk this way. Actors who can't handle improv necessarily may, might just stumble across dialogue and make up stuff, but it doesn't sound like real stuff. Uh, and one of the things that Alexandra said as we were watching is, I really wish that you and Tom and Kelly had seen Blue is the Warmest Color. I really wish you had watched uh, that. I watched and, the good parts. Uh, and I want you to see that as a counterpoint to that. And I'm like, well, it's a three-hour movie. In uh, French. In French. and I, and I But she insisted. She said – you know, I think seeing that in counterpoint to what Love Song is trying to do, I think Blue is the Warmest Color is a good counterpoint to what uh, Love Song is trying to do. So I went ahead and, and did that. I went ahead and watched Blue is the Warmest Color. And that's the movie that I really want to talk about as far as saying, uh, if you have not seen Blue is the Warmest Color, and I, I knew that uh, Kelly or Tom we, we were going to make a joke about I all the good uh which is that fine, Kelly. Awesome. Um wow. It's a fantastic movie. It is unbelievably moving. It is unbelievable and worth every minute of its three hours. It is one of these rare movies that I read instead of uh, you know totally being able to listen to and watched all three hours. And it's it's brutal. It's it's one of the most emotionally brutal movies I have seen in a long time. And I realize that's not a selling point for a lot of people, but it's worth watching because the actresses can handle everything that's going on, um, especially the main actress, who's this woman named Adele Xerchopoulos. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else. Um, uh, Leah Sidhu, I think I've seen in something else. She plays the other uh, lead character. Um, But the feel that you get from watching Blue is the Warmest Color of this this uh, this ability to handle naturalistic dialogue, and maybe part of that is is hearing it in French and reading it in English. I don't know. Uh, really, is a, an interesting counterpoint to how uh, Love Song handles some of that same feel that that feeling of of not only time passage, uh, because there's a really there's a huge time gap in both of these movies. Um, one of them handles it artistically. Uh, blues, the warmest color, handles this this time jump um, going forward uh, in a way that makes you feel, as the viewer, smart. You, uh, uh, okay, you're just you're 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 not going to tell me this is how much longer this happens after this. You're just going to let me figure it out. It's not difficult to figure out, but you're just paying me the compliment of me understanding. Oh. Wow, this much time has passed. Angus hates the title cards. Uh, well, I, I I hated this title card in Love Song. I had it like three years later, uh, because and Dingus. what Alexandra said was everything before this we didn't need, and that's always it's <laughs> always a killer. And if it's a movie that's a, an hour and twenty eight minutes long, and she's talking about the first eighteen minutes, that's a that's an extra killer. And uh, real quick,
1: in, in only the brave, uh, there's a point where uh, Miles Teller's girlfriend is 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 pregnant, uh, and when we f- fast forward, Miles Teller's holding his little baby, and there still needs to be a title card that says, you know, nine months later. Like we couldn't yeah. infer from the fact that he's now holding a little baby when a couple of scenes ago she was pregnant. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a movie for the people in the cheap seats. You know, they need those title cards, dingus.
0: <laughs> Where'd that baby come from? Yeah, who is that?
1: <laughs> Wait, with a
0: baby
1: so his girlfriend's pregnant and he's gonna and he's got a baby that he carries around what <laughs>
2: That's so weird uh, blues the blue's the warmest color pays you the compliment of understanding okay this person has changed in this way this person now has this job and is not doing not in school anymore oh I understand time has changed it's and and it's beautifully filmed in the way that that transition happens it's one of my favorite transitions in movies yeah um, I'm not so certain about the um, the amount of sex in the movie, uh, which will be disappointing to Kelly, I'm sure, uh, because they think it kind of gets in the way, especially for people who are thinking, "Well, it's just, you know, oh, they, it's that lesbian movie. I'll see it whenever I see it." Um, but I, I think that emotionally, the way that this movie handles those things. Uh, it makes total sense now that I think about it. But it is just brutal in the best of ways. It's just really uh, – I can't tell you how excited I am that I got to see this movie. Uh, and all due respect to uh, to Chris. Um, I, I liked Riley Keogh in uh, kiog I can't say her name. Just say name. Keogh. <laughs> Keogh right, Riley Keogh. I, I liked her. I think she's really, really good. Uh, but I don't think um, anything from the the songs that were used to the way that the dialogue was handled uh, measures up to Blue is the Warmest Color, and I'm so happy I saw Blue is the Warmest Color. So if I could encourage any of you, especially you two goofballs, uh, to see that. And this was Alexandra's favorite movie of 2013, of that year. Uh, and she's she, uh, she told me today as I was, like, Going on and on about the movie. She's like, "Well, that's why I, I did the fundraiser for it two years in a row because I want you goofballs to see it." Uh, uh, so she was a little frustrated with us. Um, do you know about she, the? I thought she was just messing with us, but uh, but it's really it's really good. Damn, it's good. What do you know say? about what the what
1: the actresses have said since then? Like they've both been very critical of the director and saying that he took advantage of them. Yeah, and
2: that they I felt they didn't feel safe on the set. Uh, well I I I do know that and that's one of the reasons why I feel uncomfortable about the way the sex is shown and the amount of sex that's in it because there is that understanding of them feeling as if they were taken advantage of basically or they were lied to and and I think the director said and I I could be wrong about this if you're if you have other information please do say so Tom but uh, don't worry this won't be shown or that won't be shown or uh, I'll be careful about this or that. I just want to explore the scene or whatever, and then betrayed them essentially. I think they felt betrayed basically right, by it. Right. Right. Um, and I think that that is really a shame because I think that for me, it, even though it's uh, it's really hot and it's titillating in those ways, I don't think it's necessary for the emotional impact of the movie. Um, and it's unfortunate I, I, it, for me watching it. That's the that's the part of the movie where I feel like the director is just being self-indulgent and doing something for the, the director's own uh, jollies rather than understanding or uh, caring about what the actresses and the other actors are going through and what the emotional impact of the movie is. Now, I understand it. I mean, you can justify it in a number of ways, but uh, hearing what those actresses had to say d- does – detract from those scenes
1: is uh is love song of, uh,
2: about a gay relationship also
1: um
2: all right the, the I, fact I that get, you actually
1: have to think about that no no voice.
2: it's not that i have to think about it. it's that uh what, what i want to reveal about a movie that just came out at the end of last year and not, not a lot of people have seen but essentially it's about uh what could have been
1: uh, Riley Keos in a movie uh, called uh, Jack and Diane with Juno Temple, which uh, is about – Riley Keough actually plays – I mean she's a girl in it, but she's a very uh, boyish girl, uh, and it's an, another movie about a, a, a gay relationship that I think is very interesting. Uh, I can see a lot of does people would
2: care Does it, it mess with the song? No, no, no.
1: (laughs) No, not at all, which is unfortunate because I think that is what a lot of people think of. All right. Uh, Yeah. But I wonder like I wonder how it would compare to uh, Love Song, because I think she's fascinating in Jack and Diane. And Juno Temple, of course, is great. It sounds like you thought Jenna Malone was kind of a weak point in uh, Love Song.
2: Well, Uh, the problem with Jenna Malone in this and I like Jenna Malone a lot, but she is very Neon Demon. I mean, she just feels very vacant. That's a good thing. I I think it's good in Neon oh, Demon. Vacant? She does she doesn't. I mean, she's not vacant.
1: You mean like Elle Fanning in Neon Demon, not like Jenna Malone. And
2: ne- Jenna Malone in
1: Neon Demon is like super like like canny and spot on with like she's very uh, scheming.
2: Well, she's uh, but, canny, but she doesn't have this emotional heft or sexual heft that okay. I think that Riley Keo deserves in in the opposite character. And when you're watching Blue is the Warmest Color and you watch uh, Leah Seydoux and Adele – again, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but uh, Exercopolis, I think, is how you say her name. Um, both of those two have the exact right amount of heat in the exact right amount of places, especially the Adele character. The Adele actress knows exactly what she's doing as far as how to bring that. And Riley Keough know, does the same Similar things, but I just don't think I don't think there's enough coming back from the from the Jenna Malone character.
1: There's a not very good but fascinating movie that uh, bills itself as being the only movie with an all female crew. Uh, And it's about a lesbian relationship uh, directed by a woman named April Mullen, and it's called – and the the title is one of the best things about it. There are two good things about this movie. The title is one of them for how it makes you think, wait, what? Uh, (laughs) The title of this movie, uh, which is in the same category I think as things like Jack and Diane and Blue is the Warmest Color, uh, is Below Her Mouth. Mm. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: So – and this movie also, it doesn't have anyone famous in it – one of the actresses is a total weak point. Like the main chick is just not very good, and it's really sad. But the more dominant and, and aggressive girl in the relationship uh, is a woman named Erica Linder, who is is fascinating in this. I loved watching her. Uh, after it was over, I immediately was like, oh, what else is she in? She's been in nothing else She's like a model from Denmark or something. This is like her only movie. Uh, and it was a best case scenario of, hey, let's get someone who's not an actor doing this really provocative part. Uh, so it made me think what you were saying about Jenna Malone uh, and, and Riley Keogh made me think of this Erica Linder chick from below her mouth.
2: Um, well, I think, I mean, I think Jenna Malone's done some good stuff. And I agree with you as far as what Neon Demon is or what she does. And she does some – she tries to do some of that same stuff here. I just thought of her as – her. I don't want to say she had, like, dead eyes like a shark's eyes, uh, but it just didn't seem like she was – it just didn't seem – you know, sometimes you can just feel that chemistry and you can feel that heat between actors, and it didn't feel like that was happening here. And maybe that's on purpose and maybe it's not. So you're Um, saying it's not quite like the girls in Sucker Punch, their chemistry?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what. All right, because Jenna Malone and the chemistry she had uh, in Sucker Punch with uh, Abby Cornish and you know cute little Emily Browning, Vanessa Hudgens, you know yeah. that, that's unforgettable. That's that that's chemistry you can't fake that. They should have had some of that in uh, Love Song.
2: So you can't do. You, you, do you guys know who I'm talking about as far as in blue is the warmest color who Leah Sidhu is?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the badass assassin from Ghost Protocol.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. All right.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, we love her. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. All right. What's not to like about her?
2: Yeah. She's great. Uh, well, she's amazing in the movie, uh, but the the main character, who I don't know from, I don't think much else, uh, yeah. is the Adele. Uh, well, i I'm pretty impressed Is it how
1: fluidly you were saying that last name. I'm, I'm guessing you practiced. Sounds good. I, I actually did. Yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> it it <laughs> paid off
2: because it sounds great. So, uh so those of you who missed Blues the warmest color, please do see it. Uh, um it's it's more than just a, a movie about like See do guys. see it. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> That's what the poster that they went with says, Kelly
1: Wand. Yeah. Uh,
0: she does a really cool dance in a movie called Go West, I think it's called. Is that that, that uh, Seth MacFarlane thing? No.
1: <laughs> Friends. No. Kelly Wand, it is now time for us to talk about what? nine nine different movies. What unites these nine movies we're going to bring up?
0: Unless they're all from the same movie, in which case we're talking about one movie. That's a good point. These are the three best continuity errors in movies. (laughs) Wow. Which I I gave many complex examples, but I think they all hold up under scrutiny in the Trump administration.
1: All right, well, let's find out by having uh, Dingus start us off, because Dingus will be introducing next month's topic. So, Dingus, give us your third favorite continuity error in a movie. All right. Here's a
2: quote from it: "Sanity's not a choice, Marshall. You can't just choose to get over it." Oh. Uh, we are Marshall. How I met so your mother. It is not either
1: of those. Jonah
0: things. Hex. Jonah Hex. U.S. Marshals.
1: Oh, Kelly Wan, good guess.
2: See what I did?
0: <laughs> Land of the Lost.
2: Now you've jumped. That's the right close. Actually, the Land of the Lost is very close. Oh. It's from a movie called Shutter Island. <laughs> Wow, that is next to Land of the Lost, yep. geographically. So this is uh, – I choose this, and I fully expect to be put in jail or maybe even a sanitarium for saying this. Um, <laughs> There's no dinosaurs on Shutter Island, you maniac. Continue, though. I choose this because – Don't go insane in Land of the Lost. You you both loved Shutter Island, and I was really yeah. against it. Yeah. Um, and Beautiful. I watched it again this week, and I'm still – I still can't stand it. Uh, but I love, I love how I totally, one of my objections was this, was like some of the continuity errors <laughs> and they're on purpose. And that's one of the things I do like about Charter Island. And one of the main one the main one, the one I'm talking about is... Oh, when, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I know what you What are. do you think
2: I'm talking about? The cup? The cup. Yeah. Right. So when he's talking, when he's doing the interviews with the patients... Uh, and we don't yet quite know what's going on yet. We don't understand that this is all in a, a huge LARP, the, the most elaborate LARP in the history of LARP kind. Um, right. We, we don't understand that that's what's going on yet. Uh, and, and watching the movie the first time, I missed it. And I just thought it was a, a glaring continuity error because I don't trust Martin Scorsese anymore. Um, I still think the movie is overlong. I think it's overwrought. Um, I don't care for many of the uh, the performances and I'm not real crazy about uh, the the plotting of the movie it doesn't make sense to me that that they're letting this guy run around on the island and blow up a car <laughs> in order to help his therapy um, I do love the ending much more, much more now but that particular moment that I thought was a continuity error and you guys are like uh, Dingus, hello not so much on that uh, is is a continuity error on purpose and that's one of the things i love about it and it's it's uh this this patient in this criminal this uh this prison for the criminally insane on this island called Chutter island and she's being interviewed by this this uh federal marshal quote unquote federal marshal played by leonardo dicaprio and she says she wants a glass of water so the guy who's looking over the two of them, Mark Ruffalo's character, goes to get a glass of water for her and brings it back to her. And she drinks it. But when you really watch it, she's not drinking anything. And she puts the glass of water down and it's empty. And then you show that the next shot shows the water half full. And I thought that was a continuity error. Well, it is a continuity error, but it's a continuity error on purpose because of what he's going through mentally. And uh, so I just wanted to sort of come clean on that and say my number three continuity error is something that I got wrong uh, and called out, but is there on purpose, but is a continuity error, but on purpose.
1: I think we can all agree on this statement. Shutter Island is no inception.
2: (laughs) Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah, uh, take, I I'm agree gonna with you, I'm going <sighs> to kick you on that one.
0: Wait, so uh, Inception's
2: the one you like? No, I like Shutter Island, like you. And I don't uh, like. Inception. No, I love, I love Inception. Right, you know that. So about.
1: you get it, Kelly Wand. Uh, There's something yeah. for everyone in that
2: comment. Whether like, you like Inception kind of or. Error. Error. Yeah, and I'm kicking Tom into the bathtub. But is not unreliability, unreliable narrator brush stroke an error? It's not, and but it was my error
1: well this right. one then my oh actually yeah no i'm next so so this one is very similar kelly wand uh and it's it's a movie that is full of continuity errors that have to do with an unreliable narrator but specifically the one that i'm talking about is the director uh on the commentary track mentions when you work with an editor for a movie the editor doesn't is not physically the guy who's always sitting there and, and piecing the film together he's got assistants with whom he works uh I think it's our friend daniel for instance worked Mm -hmm. as an assistant editor for for, for a lot of folks. Uh, So David Fincher talks about when he was doing Fight Club, one of the assistant editors was putting together one of the scenes where Tyler Durden and the narrator are in a car and it turns over. Uh, And the assistant editor didn't know the whole script. He just knows he was hired on this project. He's seen the parts that he's working on. And he explains to David Fincher… Uh, You know what? This is screwed up. You have uh, Edward Norton getting out of the wrong side of the car after it turns over. Uh, And David Fincher thinking that that was pretty cool that that guy caught that because, of course, it was intentional Uh, because Brad Pitt is driving the car. It turns over. And then when they pull Edward Norton out, they're pulling him out from the driver's seat, which is where Brad Pitt was sitting. And the editor was like, oh, uh, David, you screwed this up here. And David Fincher just kind of chuckled to himself and was like, yep, that's what I'm going for. Um, and in Fight Club, going back and watching it, you know, all those little things are super gratifying to see. You know, uh, when once you know the twist, which we all do now. So Kelly, yeah. why are you putting me or Dingus in jail when it's an intentional continuity error?
0: I guess not. We dodge that bullet.
2: Well, because I like them. Like. Yeah. Well, and... the thing about Fight Club is that they're pervasive, and I don't know that that's true for Shutter Island.
0: I like stuff that it can only happen in the medium that you're you're watching it in. <laughs> Assuming that there's vision involved. Like
1: the one frame <laughs> the one frame Tyler Durden's.
0: Right, right. Like you can't do that in a
2: book. You can't it's not know. in the book, yeah,
0: exactly. Like that Hey, doesn't... wait a second. <laughs> like yeah. the you author would have
2: to point it out. You could do it in a flip book.
0: I guess you could do it in a book. <laughs> if she if someone takes a drink off a table and you just write it again later, that's a continuity error, I guess. <laughs> So, you know, I, yeah,
1: All right, so Kelly, one, why don't you point. show us how it's done and give us your number three favorite continuity error. This is my only good
0: one, and it was the first one that came to mind. Kelly, but... will be the judge of that. All right. And I don't, I don't think I've ever... I've never heard someone say this one before. Well, as the other ones, I think I've seen people go... Hey, yeah, the <laughs> continuity error. You know how people talk, Tom. Uh... <laughs> So my number three, my bronze continuity here is is in uh, episode five, as Tom knows it, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Han Solo <laughs> is going out into the carbonite and Princess Leia tells him that she loves him and he's all, I know. And he's, he has his hands behind him the whole time, like he's cuffed because they don't want Han Solo to, you know, he's, he's tricky. He's a tricky dick. But then when he comes out of the carbonite, he has his hands up in the carbonite slab. And that's how it looks for like until the next movie. And I was like, wait, he got his hands out just to do that motion. The end. Han <laughs> Solo
2: hands up in carbonite.
0: All right. Don't you think that when all the steam blows down on him, that it
2: cuts him loose? Yeah, because all that like liquid nitrogen carbonite stuff breaks the metal. Yeah. The... No.
1: Kelly wanted it's physics. It's not a continuity <laughs> error. <laughs> Kelly's a killer. So
0: Kelly's the list
2: is new.
0: Well, I was trying to picture what you were describing happening in the Star Wars universe. Is that
1: really true, though? That he's he's got his hands tied behind his back when he gets put in under the little "Hey, we're pouring carbonite on you" machine.
0: He doesn't have his hands up when she's all "I love you." And well, but then, then, then smoke he goes, comes down. I know. And, when he has
1: but then when smoke he comes down and obscures him. him. Like we can't see the stuff being poured on him, right? It still seems out of character he would make that gesture even though. You don't know what it feels like to have hot carbonite poured on you.
0: Ah, oh, get it off my hands. Fuck. Right. <laughs> like, the sands aren't blocking his face. That's what mine would do. Like, I'd just keep it out of my
2: eyes. Jesus did, Christ. Did you say hot carbonite? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. You got to <laughs> heat it
0: up to, to pour it on someone. And then but
2: he's frozen in carbonite. Yeah. They say frozen a bunch Well, of but
1: things. they heat it up to, to liquid state. And uh, then when it cools, it okay. solidifies. Come on! Didn't so, you guys take
0: chemistry? Like the way there's like a cold blue sun, even though it's really hot because it's still a sun. Well, it's Isn't relatively cold. It's relatively cold. That's what Einstein.
2: That's the way he called it that. <laughs> blue sun. Blue is the warmest sun.
1: Dingus, I have a question for you. Yeah. What is your second favorite continuity
2: error from all of moviedom? Didn't see that come. <laughs> all right. Here's a, here's a quote from it. He shouldn't be alive. It vexes me. I'm terribly vexed. Moby Dick. No, it is not Moby Dick. It is the movie Gladiator. Uh, yeah. And it is one of my favorite things in the world that a best picture has so many horrible things going on. <laughs> it is unbelievably terrible, and I love it so much. I'm, I'm a total sucker for Gladiator. I watched it again this week. Um, I'm a sucker for movies that make me... Uh, just randomly cry for dumb reasons, and and it's not fat Russell Crowe, it's muscly Russell Crowe, which I know would h- make Tom hate it. See? Do not want. It just <laughs> happen. Do not want. Um, there's the first Robin Hood Russell. Crow. There's a lot of great stuff in it. I love that uh, that Russell Crowe showed up on set wanting to do a Castilian, Castilian accent. I think he was trying to do like a Spaniard's accent, and and Ridley Scott's like, really, you're going to list for the whole movie? Stop it, you know. Uh, but the, my favorite thing is—I I don't know if you would count this as necessarily a continuity error, since Uh-oh. really it's anachronism. Um, well, how, well, But there's a ton of a, there's a ton of continuity errors in the movie. There's—I could do like, oh look, the sword's in his left hand now. It's in his right hand now. It's in his left hand again on the horse. My favorite thing about Gladiator, though, is that gas tank when the chair. is. That's not, Kelly Wan put him in jail, it's not a continuity error It's like seeing the crew in a reflection But you can also see like a dude filming things in the stadium you can It's see not a continuity error right. the, Kelly Wan arrest him yeah. well, I'll choose the, the, the sword leaping from hand to hand really, I mean, That's, your, favorite. that's, that's your
1: second favorite continuity error
2: it, in it, all of it, movies it, My favorite continuity <laughs> errors are in the movie My second favorite continuity errors in a movie are that that we chose. Your third as a country. one was was
0: iffy, and now you're really, really <laughs> flipping off the cops.
1: Dingus, we are a podcast no, of rules, if you,
2: not men. can't cannibal- actually if you actually look at definitions of continuity errors, this can count as a continuity error. Why no? It is. can't. <laughs> yes, it can. By
0: what definition, is it breaking continuity. Hmm? Where
2: where is that?
1: A, where is that? A, where are it's anachronisms and like, glimpsing the crew? part of continuity
2: errors because it's not it's not continuous with history
0: so the person who oh, that's the script supervisor <laughs> hey hey the crew's in this shot that's not in the script you're fired get out of here script supervisor i mean i love more than anything the 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 grip backing
1: out of the scene when he realizes and you can see his jeans and everything i love that bit in gladiator but that's not a continuity error thing is it should uh, be in, uh, nope, in jail it is.
2: It is definitely a continuity error because of the way continuity error is described in uh, Wikipedia. Oh,
0: all right, God. all right. right. When <laughs> I do anachronisms next month, I better not see this one again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> when I do the I better not see this again. Yeah. All right. All thing
1: hard. is, let me show you how it's done. Here's a continuity
2: error. Okay, I'm looking uh, for this.
1: There's oh. a. a A a little-known movie. You guys won't have heard of it. No one will know it. I watched it. Uh, Why did I watch it? I forget why I watched it, but I came away with an appreciation of (laughs) the actress in it. Uh, there, there's, this, there's a series on the sci-fi channel called Dark Matter, and it's Dark a matter. Canadian import, and it starts out as like a puzzle where these six people wake up on a spaceship, and they don't know who they are. They don't know their names or what they're doing there, and they give each other numbers like, okay, I woke up first, so I'm one. You're two. You're three. They have n- numbers for names, and they explore the spaceship, and they find in the, in the hold of the spaceship there's a door that they can't get past. And the whole season is about discovering who they are. and Hey, why do they have these skills for manning the spaceship? And I watched it for two reasons. One, one of the actors in it is a, a young lady named Jodell Furland, who is a little, who is a ah. remarkable little girl in Tideland. Uh, and she's, she's grown up now. She's got a part in this, this series, Dark Matter. The other reason I watched it is for an actress who I'm going to tell you about now named Zoe Palmer. Uh, she's a Canadian actress. Uh, and unfortunately in Dark Matter, and this drives me crazy. She plays a robot. So all she does in Dark Matter is this I am a robot kind of stuff. It's just terrible. <laughs> like she's an android robot. She doesn't get to act. She's, not, she's just like, hey, it's, it's a robot. It doesn't know anything. It's, it's a, it's a me- mechanical uh, construct that runs the ship. It's terrible. It's like super disappointing. So I didn't even stick with Dark Matter. I don't know who they are, what they're doing, or what's in the hold of the ship, and I couldn't care less. Because Zoe Palmer has to be a stupid robot. Uh, by the way, Phoebe waller cates the the chick from Fleabag, who wrote it and starred in it. Do you guys know that she's in the Han Solo movie as a robot, no. as the void, not even as the voice of a stupid robot? That tremendous young actress is being hired to voice a robot in a stupid Ron Howard Star Wars movie.
0: I haven't been so outraged since Kenny Baker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> so anyway, this Zoe Palmer chick—I know her from a movie called *Cold Blooded*, and *Cold Blooded* starts Jason out as—pardon—is it that one? Is it Jason Priestley movie? No, it is not. This is All right, never mind, Continue. No one famous is in it. The only person you would know in it actually wouldn't know anyone in it. They're—they're they're basically Canadian TV actors, including Zoe Palmer. She's the lead in it. It's a super low-budget. Uh, hey, let's do a Die Hard kind of movie where these criminals fight a cop in uh, uh, the wing of a, ho- of a hospital that's being restored, and they can't get out. They're locked in, and the communications <laughs> are cut off. So they, they basically shot in a few hallways. Like They didn't have much of a budget, um, but the conceit of it is that Zoe Palmer plays a, a police officer, and she has duty overnight guarding a, a prisoner who's injured, who was comatose for a while, and he's finally woken up. And the doctor says he can't leave yet. You know, you can't move him until he's recovered for a little bit. So they have a police officer out in front of his hotel room. They have him, uh, hotel room, hospital room, and they have him sequestered in this one wing of the hospital. Well, it turns out the big bad criminals need to kill him for reasons involving diamonds and betrayal and all that silliness. And Zoe Palmer, as the police officer who has to defend him, uh, it's her against them with this roguish uh, diamond thief who the guys are trying to kill. Uh, and early on, they meet, and she, he's handcuffed to the bed, and he's come out of his coma, and he's super charming, and he's trying to, to win her over because he wants to try to escape, and she's having none of it. Uh, and the cool thing about Zoe Palmer, uh, she's not a super glamorous woman. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, but she's not like a super glamorous, hot TV actress type. You could even say she's kind of plain. Uh, and And that's – how she plays this role as just this regular policewoman who's kind of a little out of her depth in a male-oriented field uh, th- there's not a lot of backstory about her but she she develops this character a lot just with her performance and with the fact that she's not she doesn't look like an actress um, So anyway, it it looks like TV banter, and it's super charming, and oh, they're probably going to end up really liking each other, and he'll get through, and he'll melt her cold heart, and it'll be romantic. And it's not. The movie resists that, and furthermore, the movie gets really, really grim and gory and dark. Uh, There are a couple of Canadian movies like this that start out – uh, it's, it's pretty charming and straightforward, and oh, look how cute it is, and they get really, really dark, and cold-blooded is one of them. And Zoe Palmer, very early on in the movie, something terrible happens to her character, and it splatters blood all over her face. And it's, mm. it's gruesome, it is grim. You think, oh, well, I guess so much for that character, I guess we're just going to watch the roguish diamond thief uh, And the movie plausibly keeps her as the lead character, but she's got blood splattered all over her face. Now, this is a super low-budget production, so I can't hold it against them. And I find it kind of charming that as the movie progresses, during the incident, the blood is just a straight-up splash. But when later on she comes back into the movie, the blood is like – it's like she's been laying on her side, and it has rolled down her face and it's making horizontal stripes on her face right it almost looks like war paint and i think that's kind of intentional but as they throughout scenes in the movie try to duplicate this they are just all over the map with like where the stripes are and whether or not they're vertical or horizontal the continuity between this prominently placed blood on the lead actress's face is absurdly just like no one paid attention And it's kind of endearing for how low budget the movie is. Uh, And of course, it's convenient. She never wipes her face. So it's always like stripes there. Uh, But it's one of those things where whoever was in charge of continuity either was never hired or wasn't really paying attention for the blood on, on Zoe Palmer's face in the movie. Cold blooded uh
0: so there you go Blood's never right blood is a blood is the most consistent continuity
1: here well that's the thing like yeah blood splatters is that's one of the advantages by the way and i hate this of doing it digitally Oh, uh, and, and I spot that. When you see digital blood in a movie, like I, I think we all notice that when we're attuned to bad CG. Uh, but right. because, yeah, Kelly Wand, when you're doing different scenes and they're shot over successive days, especially if it's on clothes, it's easy enough. But when you put it on a person, especially someplace prominent like their face, that's really hard to make sure it looks the same every time. And movies turn it, us all into Dexter. <laughs> well, go on. Oh, like paying attention to blood patterns? Yeah, we're all
0: forensic specialists. Very good. Yeah. Yes, Kelly Wand.
2: Yeah. There is a there's a complaint about that in at least one complaint about that in Gladiator as well because he's riding a horse from like wherever to Spain, which would take a <laughs> month to do, and he's still bleeding profusely from his arm wound once he gets to Spain after a month of riding. But you can justify it by saying, well, maybe the wound reopened or whatever, but there is that complaint about where the blood is going, that the blood is still flowing profusely.
1: Especially, yeah, that's, that sounds like equal parts blood complaint, geography complaint,
2: right? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, so cold-blooded, I'm guessing you guys have never heard of it and you've never heard of Zoe Palmer.
2: I will well, say yes on both parts. I, I, was, still I will have continuity it. on both answers. <laughs> Oh, dingus.
1: All right. Kelly wand. It is time for your second. Now you claim Kelly Wand, that your number three pick was your only good one. So why don't you give us a couple of bad picks now?
0: Okay. My first bad pick, but number two choice is in the motion picture, the room 2003. Um, Lisa orders a pizza on the phone. That's half Canadian bacon with pineapple, half artichoke with pesto and light on the cheese. And then later, you see it half-eaten, and it's just cheese pizza. So that's my number two.
1: The Room. Yeah, you'd really expect that, because that was a tight production. You, yeah. you wonder how that slipped through the cracks. That's well, he wrote that for...
0: line, left it in, and you go, oh, it must be like some pizza really likes or something. And did you but actually I... watch The Room, or you just know about this error? I just saw The Room for the first time like a month ago, and I can't stop thinking about it. The Disaster Artist is just uh, nothing compared to The Room. It's just like oh, a really? stupid
1: Version yeah. is it
2: worth is it worth watching either one? No, I haven't I, seen either I don't
1: one. Think so I would I would give a firm no on both. All right. I mean sure. they're fine. Yeah. Like the the but disaster sure. artist is fine. It's there's just nothing special about it. And I don't think the room. There's no reason to reward. Like Tommy Wiseau is just a, a, a weird. He's a creative thug, I, I think. And there, there's no reason. Like I just don't find enjoy. I don't find his competence enjoyable. Incompetence enjoyable. The way God, that I, I find incompetence by like someone like ed wood whose heart that's, is clearly in it
0: see here's the thing though ed wood i'm glad you made that analogy because i would say like ed wood the movie with johnny depp is totally awesome but an ed wood movie is really boring to watch but oh. the disaster artist is like a lame biopic that's boring to watch i don't the- find ed wood
1: movies boring awesome. like it, it, it kind of well, like I, not- I, I pardon I don't, Well, Plan 9, but like Bride of the Monster, for instance, I think is brilliant because of Bela Lugosi, like watching him uh, – oh, Boris Kar- – no, Bela Lugosi, right. Like, like watching a, a brilliant actor sort of fumble around with bad material and knowing that there's this affection for science fiction and horror on the part of a lot of the people doing it, uh, I find that kind of fascinating. Mm, you know, when you do something I, like that movie Skeletons of Cal- Calabras or whatever, right. it's intentionally trying to be a bad movie. That doesn't yeah. work. You have to right. you have to care about the genre and the material. You have to want to do it for creative reasons that are affectionate, and not just because you want to be famous, which is what Tommy Wiseau was doing. And what's oh, clear in the room is this guy well, just wants to make. He's a self-aggrandizing fool. Sure, and I don't, <laughs> and I don't find his creative output entertaining.
2: I is that do? what you mean by thug? Because I wanted you to. Tell yeah, yeah, yeah. Me like, he, he also like, he, he just, also apparently he bullies people or what? He, he
1: bullied the cast. He had, he was, he had no idea how to make a movie. He just threw money at people. Uh, he was apparently, if you read the disaster artist, which is really a book that Seth Rogen and James Franco obviously enjoyed enough to have fun making a movie about it. But if you read the yeah. book, he was kind of abusive to this guy Greg, who was his friend, who who, who agreed to star in the movie. Uh, yeah, so so thug in the sense.
0: Uh, he also he 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 was a liar. Uh <laughs> I don't care. I'm but as far as movies that are so bad they're good, like some are wa- really fun to watch. Like where do you stand on Showgirls? Have you ever watched? You no, know I've never seen Showgirls. Oh, it's so good. I, I love Elizabeth Banks. I love like really dumb characters that are you're supposed to be sympathizing with, and they're fucking lame. And and the room to me is one of those. Like this guy's supposed to be the hero. Of
2: I've this never seen movie. Showgirls either, and I, and I actually oh, watched Showgirl's a awesome. lot of. I watched a lot of Dune this week, and I was wondering about the fact that Kyle MacLachlan is in
0: Showgirls, isn't he? He is. He's not only in it, but he set it, he actually has a really good sense of humor about. It. He's all yeah. It actually is a really it's a really terrible, stupid movie, but it's pretty funny. Like he describes it like he's like spot on about it. And he does, He has like a, a lot of like really dumb sex in it. He's great at it. It's a great dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a really dumb sex scene with Kyle MacLachlan in it. Uh, but the whole movie's fun. It's it's just terrible. Like Joe Estras is such a terrible writer. And this was supposed to be his, like, love, it's his girlfriend. Yeah. It's and but it's Paul Verhoeven directing it. And it's just it's it's good. It's not boring at all. Like striptease is boring. But, but it's no the,
2: high end. It's is the, the disaster fact. artist a loving reconstruction of it?
0: Like uh, it's like it, it's trying to be Ed wood, but it's just not as. It's yeah, it's just, a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, it wishes it was Ed wood, but it's not. And it's just like look how like the only things that are good in it are stuff about that's about the room. And then you just go, and then it's like the the cast on the set going, wait, is this, this is dumb? Why are we doing it like this? And then, but you could just watch the room and come to the same conclusions. Better. Because everything about the room's weird, and terrible, and interesting, and the fact that he spent so much money on it—it's just like one of those. Um, like I'm always fascinated with like a Waterworld kind of movie where someone just they just kept throwing so much fucking money at it, and that's the result. Like it's just interesting. I'll right? go
1: to bat for Waterworld. Did
0: I will see? too. I will too.
2: I'll go to the back for uh, the Postman Sounds Hudson Hawk.
0: Like. Ew, will you? I don't. I don't yeah. think I'd go that far. Yeah, but come like, on, Dingus. Lozman, come on. Hudson uh, Hot, we saw beauty in it that no one else saw, Dingus. And by the way, I watched Dread again, and Tom's crazy. That movie no, I like rules. Dread. What
1: are you talking about? You guys are just wrong about him. Th- him being a dick to Mama at the end. You guys have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I thought right
0: you do the movie, and that's why you hated the movie. What about the movie? Why I hated it? What's why I hated it? You think it's too cruel to leave at Eddie's horrible, <laughs> psychopathic villain? Character?
1: <laughs> no, I think that Judge Dredd, is,
0: he, he's, he does things for a reason, he stands
1: for law, and he doesn't do things to be punitive or a dick. No, he's doing it because of her
0: heartbeat. It's
1: the same plot no Nope, don't it. even try that with me, Kelly Wan. Don't even try that with me. I will take you down. I will take Just you down to Red Town, buddy.
0: Really? Red Town, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But as a Siege movie,
1: it's awesome. And Olivia not, Thir- No, I agree. I, I totally am I like Dread. But, but he did not need to, this whole nonsense about the bomb and her distance from the bomb being when it detonates.
0: Her heartbeat has nothing to do with that, Kelly Wand. I watched it closely a second time, and I remember you watching it a second time going, you guys are idiots. I rewatched it. And just, so I watched point it closely is- this yep. time. Right? And I will say this. Yep. It is a little vague. because it's it just
1: vague. There's nothing it about the drugs. drugs
0: doing this because of the bomb but no, he, he doesn't.
1: doesn't he does not say that there's nothing he's doing no, it to he be vind- he's doing it to be vindictive he gives her the drug and and it's it's for the it's a, it's a it's a smack the bitch moment that we're supposed to cheer at because she did it to someone else earlier in the movie and i'm not having it he stands for justice not being a dick that's not what justice <laughs> is about
2: that is justice. So she, 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 she was just a shot her in the head <laughs>
1: No he, no, he could throw – I mean that's sometimes – it depends on what the sentence is. Like when he kills people, he just kills them. He doesn't torment torment no. them. He doesn't try to make their lives miserable. So yeah, Dangus. Well, no, he can't shoot he her in the head because that will the... set the bomb off. That's right. why he throws well, her right. off.
2: He's sentencing her, so that's why he throws
1: her off. No, and I have no problem with him throwing out He has to do that so that the bomb <laughs> – because of the bomb. But so he, he doesn't la- have to give her the drug to make her dying moments stretch out. You go to law school.
2: Oh, so I, I I, don't. And that's uh,
1: my whole contention, is that him giving her the drug is just a callback to her doing that to someone else earlier in the movie. And that it's out of character for dread.
0: There's no I, plot I, reason for him to do it. Yes, uh, Kelly Wand. Do you think, knowing what you know about movie making, yes, that sir? it was supposed to be what, we're, what I'm talking about? Like, that was supposed to be a plot point that was just kind no, of botched? No, not at, at all. all. It's, a, it's a smack the bitch moment.
1: Really? You get, because yeah. it
0: seems like it's setting up that that's why the drug does no, what it does, keep watching it. Nope. Like it just nope. seems like obvious foreshadowing. Nope. It's a, it's
1: a getting her back for being a psycho killer.
0: <laughs> but How do you know I'm wrong? Like, why do
1: you go? Because like, there's why? no plot point, because the way the bomb works is it goes off the, if she dies or based on her distance from the, uh, the, the, the detonator or whatever. It's got nothing to do with how fast her heartbeat is going or how she experiences
2: time. So are you that saying there's no, no relationship to the bomb? There's no punitive measure as far as justice is concerned.
1: Oh, no, I'm yeah. saying that that's not what Judge Dredd does. Is but he? He just, just does. He he's, he he sentences people. He's a judge. He sentences them and executes them. And if they're sentenced to death, he he just shoots them. Like there's no reason to get them high before he shoots them.
2: But the, but is there a punitive measure to justice?
1: Yes. Right. But it's, right, not, well, it it's, it's not. But it's not making someone suffer longer. Well, you, you punish someone by killing them, dingus, not by killing them cruelly. But punitive was mean if you- punishment. That's well, what right, I. Well, read. in that case, why don't you just torture them internally? I mean, that's the thing. Is that, right? Punitive doesn't mean. Uh, To make someone suffer, it means to punish someone, and the level of punishment is what a judge decides. And the whole conceit of Judge Dredd is what if the people who carried out – who enforced the law and carried out
0: the sentences were also the judges? That's the dystopia there. But you have to be on the drug you've pushed, and that's part of the justice.
2: But is it commensurate with the crime then?
1: Uh, I don't know Judge Dredd well enough, but that's not what the movie sets up.
2: Okay, all right. Sets up the concrete. I, I'm just thinking of, of the recent sort of the recent um not know debate about this uh, this judge who sentenced the guy who was the gymnast. Larry Nasser,
1: coach. right? Larry Nasser. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: The the US Olympics gymnast. Right. And she and that's a criticism uh, actually. He should that, be right. Well, no, well no, just that she was kind of showboating that it's really not a judge's position to to gloat about punishing someone. Right, uh, and it's that again. That's that's you know, it's a crowd pleaser certainly because the the guy was reprehensible, uh, and she was right to sentence him harshly, but to sort of do it with glee, uh, I I think is is above and beyond her judicial duty. I I, I side well, with people who think that yeah. that's a little out of line.
2: Well, it certainly does fly in face of the way that we look at the way justice should be administered <laughs> in this country. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, Which Dread, I think, embodies. I mean I do like that movie
1: a lot, and, and I, I, uh, I, I love just the conceit of it. I love the idea that they're going to take this dystopia and just tell it in a little self-contained setting, uh, and I don't you know, – I'm not that, that – that moment isn't a huge deal for me. I just think it's a weird bit of out-of-character writing. Uh, that I don't care for. Uh, he, he should be dispassionate, like when he dispatches execution. That's yeah, the whole thing he, is he's not an angry guy. He's not pissed at anyone. He's doing no, his job.
0: He makes decisions like Olivia Thurlby fails her assessment, but he still gives her a pass because he's like, yeah, it makes up for it. Like he's right. judging her on right. everything, and he's judging Lena Headley. Hedley. Hetty, <laughs> but, he, but he's
2: not doing it. It's Glenn Hedley and Lena Hetty. I know. It's hard to remember. Uh, but he's also but I, not I, just behind the bench. He's been behind <laughs> – he's been shot at this whole time, and she's been yeah. trying to kill him this whole time. And th- this is sort of a different kind of a judge. This isn't just a judge who gets to walk up there and dispense judge it, a judgment dispassionately. He's actually had his life on the line. So He is the law. <laughs> that's That's Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the cure. He's the cure. No,
1: which, yeah. He is. I think you're right. He is the law.
0: Yeah. Stallone's <laughs> Judge true. All
1: right. You know what? I think it's really time for us to l- listen to Dingus' favorite continuity error in listen. all of
2: movies. All right. So I'm going to choose something that I love from a movie I absolutely love. Because when it comes right down to it, continuity errors, and I I don't mean this as a criticism to you, Kelly Wan, at all. It's just that – You have nothing to stand on right now. You (laughs) have nothing to stand on. I think you're idiotic. (laughs) uh, It's that um, making movies is is pretty difficult when when you think about all of the different things that they have to do. And I was trying to explain to my son. He was asking, what's your 3x3 this week when we were doing our good night call the other night? and i explained to him what, what continuity errors were as as well as i could and uh and he's like well that's stupid why would somebody have a different costume in a different scene or why would they have that on or why would their collar be different see and that and i said well movies aren't shot in sequence i mean you're not going to do like scene the first scene at the beginning of the script and then the last scene at the end of the script in sequence things things are going to be shot out of sequence you're going to have different actors being able to come in at different times, and you have to have somebody to keep track of all of those little details, all of those tiny little details, all of the water levels in, for instance, signs uh, all, that are all around the room. How are you going to keep track of those? Well, somebody might take Polaroids. There's a lot of different ways to do that, but it's very difficult to do, Um and so in movies that I like and in movies in general, I tend to be amused by them but not be too worried by them uh, because I because I, I find having even done a short movie with Tom once, the idea of how do we keep track of who's wearing what? And there's only three characters in this scene. How do we do that? What what, what was his tie like? What What was the button like? Um, those things are really hard to do, and you usually have a person who's hired to do that, like a script person or a script supervisor or whatever, who is writing all of this down or taking pictures, doing uh, like a, a video assist, whatever. But still, it's really difficult given the size of these productions. So my number one is a movie I really love, and this is my favorite continuity error, and I couldn't care less about it as far as it affecting the quality of the movie i just find it amusing and this is uh the, the quote that i would give from this particular movie and this uh i'm not sure if it's in this actual scene um yeah it is actually from this actual scene and, and it's 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 mr ness uh i wish i'd met you 10 years and 30 pounds ago but i, know what it I, is. I got it. i just think it's much more important for me to stay alive and what do you think it is tom
1: Untouchables, directed by Brian De Palma.
2: How did you know?
1: God, I know. How did you I do just that? I'm really good at hearing a line and knowing the movie. It's just, <sighs> it's, just it's a skill I have, dingus. Wow. wow. Huh. All right.
2: He's untouchable afraid. at that skill. He's untouchable. Um, so yes, uh, <laughs> it's Untouchables. That's and how I talk. My favorite. It's not anymore, but for whatever reason, right now I'm just hearing you as uh, Ryan Gosling whenever you talk, because I love that voice that you do so much. That's how I talk. <laughs> I just love that
1: voice so much. I'm a little disappointed yeah. we haven't gotten more Meryl Streep for Dingus. I was hoping that would be a thing. Hello.
2: Oh God, please. I don't. Why,
1: um, why would you do that? Because you... we saw the post. I mean, you know, it's been on my mind lately.
2: <sighs> so, anyway, one of my favorite things is, is this scene where um, where Elliot Ness goes to see uh, Sean Connery's character, in his house on Racine, and um, it's very clear, and I'll post pictures of this once Tom posts the, threat, the thread for the 3 by 3 uh, where where Sean Connery's top button on his shirt is, is open and closed, open and closed, open and closed, over and over again in ways that there's no way it could have been like him reaching up to do it. It's just, when you're on a set for 12, 16 hours or whatever, and Sean Connery's kind of Notorious for this because I think even during and I meant to, to watch um, Last Crusade. I think he did most of the scenes on the blimp without his pants on because it was just too hot. Uh, he just he wants to be comfortable. <laughs> That's how I do this, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I just love that it, it, it is so obvious because. Uh, the Untouchables is is so crisp and clean and beautifully filmed. It is so obvious when he moves to the phonograph, and he turns back around. His collar's popped open when he's put like the like the tea service on top of the thing. He, he and he's they're having this dramatic scene. His collar's open, and then he and then it goes back to him. His collar's closed. I mean, it's just the top button. That's all it is. It's the top button. Closed and open, closed and open, closed and open.
1: The funny uh, thing about that sort of thing, Dingus, is once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like you it, you could, People who've seen the movie would have no idea what you're talking about. But when you point it out
2: to them, it will be there in the scene every single time. Yeah. And it dist- and, it, and it unfortunately detracts from the scene. But I love the movie so much. I don't care. Movies and, are full and, of that, though. I mean, there are very few movies that don't have something like that. Right. So so from, from that point of view, I, I appreciate being put in jail for like – Look, there's a dude in the background doing video assistant gladiator, and you can see him in the shot. That's not really a continuity here. Uh, like, but the sword leaping back and forth from hand to hand, I understand how that happens, having done a fair amount of, you know, even extra work in movies. I mean, you, where was I holding that cup three hours ago? <laughs> was I holding it in my right hand or my left hand? There has to be somebody there who's telling every single person on the set to do that. And from my point of view. Making movies is pretty difficult. I mean, it's it's not like waging war, but it's difficult. And so, like, whether his button is unbuttoned or unbuttoned doesn't make that much difference if it's a good movie. My my favorite is very much like yours, Dingus. It's a movie that I love,
1: uh, and it, it was uh, – like, I think by the time De Palma did Untouchables, he should have known what he was doing. Like, that, that sort of thing right. slips through, of course. Uh, but this is a movie that had a notoriously troubled production. And I don't hold this against it, but the director did later become super meticulous, and this is kind of an important detail because this is related to the plot. Uh, The little button thing with Sean Connery's costumes, like those are cute and you'll notice them, but this is a very important plot-related bit. And there are only a couple of shots where it messes up, but again, it's when you notice it, you can't not notice it. Uh, And this is in Jaws. When the orca leaves, this is a plot point, it's got five of those yellow barrels on the prow, on on the the front of the boat, that are going to be shot into the shark to exhaust it, to keep it from diving, uh, to tire it out. (laughs) And there are plot points about when barrels are fired. You know, they get down to where at a certain point there are three barrels attached to the shark, and it can still go underwater. So each barrel that gets shot into him is kind of a plot point. Uh, And the very first one, it's this famous, super exciting scene where uh, Quint is out on that little pulpit, and he's ready to fire, and he's telling Richard Dreyfus to hook up a barrel, and he turns around, and Richard Dreyfus isn't there. Because he's gone under under the the deck to get a little beacon thing he wants to attach to it. And there's that whole, you know, don't wait for me, that that super exciting scene (laughs) where can he get the knot done in time? Uh, And I just love how each of the barrels is a a little mini kind of like adventure or plot point. And then later on you see the orca. It's down to to four barrels. It's down to three. There's a couple of scenes. There aren't many of them. But there are a couple of scenes where obviously Spielberg puts in footage either – from before the barrel was used, or maybe they put the barrels back at certain times. I mean, that production, they had all kinds of problems with the shark. They tried something that was pretty much unprecedented at that time, and that was actually going out to sea to shoot. It used to be that a movie like that would be shot on a soundstage, um, but Spielberg, this this young hotshot director, was convinced, nope, we're going to take a boat, and we're going to have all these barges with the cameras, and we're going to have the mechanical shark. And it was a mess, but they finally got it done. And it's like Dingus is talking about. Sometimes it's a miracle that movies come together. Yeah. Uh, so I just love it. If you if you if you love Jaws like I do, and you 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 watch that scene as many times as I've seen, you can't help but notice every now and then hey, wait a minute, there were two <laughs> barrels there a minute ago, and now there's three, and the shot of Brody moving across. the Because normally he's super careful about things like showing where those uh, diving tanks are, or one of the barrels shatters the, the window on the front of the, the Orca, and he's careful about you know, when has that been shattered and showing it broken later. But a few times those barrels, uh, the barrel count doesn't quite line up correctly. Uh,
2: uh, so I so that's didn't my know that.
1: That's great. And it really you do have to be like an obsessive Jaws fan, dingus. You could be there one day if you watch the movie just over and over. So,
2: Kelly, do you have anything Jaws related for your number one pick? No. Then All right. What do you? So, yeah, l- Let me let me just say something really quick because one of my one of my other favorite ones is, but this isn't a movie I like. It's from Jaws four. It's from the Revenge. It's Michael Caine <laughs> swimming over.
0: That's the only one that's out, canon.
2: Getting out of the getting out of the water and his shirt being completely dry and nobody uh. bothered. To get his shirt wet again. I He's mean, this is a plane is,
0: crash, and he gets yeah. Down. He was in
2: a plane crash in the water. Walks he somehow sometimes. swims over. He climbs out of the boat, and he immediately has a dry shirt just because of how long it took them to film the scene, and nobody bothered to wet his shirt again. And this is something that Ebert and Sis, uh, Siskel neighbor talked about on their show. Is there, there are scenes in Jaws
1: where people are supposed to be running out of the water in a panic, and they've got dry clothes. Like Because partly they shot it in – uh, uh um, it's not Amity's The Fictional City. What was it? Martha's Vineyard. They right, shot yeah. it in the winter, and it it was cold there. And the extras didn't want to get in the water. And it was shallow water, and he, he needed them to pretend it was deep water. So they were supposed to go out and then kneel down until it looked mm-hmm. like they were up to their necks. Right. And the extras didn't want to do that because it was cold. I mean they would do it eventually. But in scenes where people are supposed to be running out of the water, there are people with dry clothes who presumably just came out of the water <laughs> where – uh. Again that sort of thing isn't as cute as the barrel cuz the barrel's a plot point. Uh but uh yeah yeah wet clothes and dry clothes next to blood that Kelly Kellywan was mentioning earlier yeah. notoriously hard to keep straight.
2: Yeah. yeah. What, I, what I love same about Same with hair, is same that with that hair by the way. By Go ahead, Nick. I watched the I watched that scene and then I watched this extended interview with the director this this uh, guy named Joseph Sargent he was talking about how difficult a production it was and he's very he's very kind of uh an amiable fellow and he's talking about how difficult it was to make it and and how you know they really wanted us to come up with something that was a a different way that the that we killed the shark that we hadn't seen before and so we had to think (laughs) of all these different things to do uh and when you were talking about the barrels being on the prow of the boat uh joseph Sargent is talking about the front of the boat you know where the boat stabs the shark he's like you know the front of the thing the I don't know what they call that. Does anybody here know what the front of that boat is called? And he's like, he's in an interview and he's, and he's just asking the room, does anybody know what the front of the boat is called? And when you said like the barrels on the prowl, <laughs> all I can think of uh, was watching that this week, watching Joseph Sargent go, you know, that front of the boat, um, is it the mast? Is it the flagpole of the boat? Just, him just talking about like, you don't even know what the boat thing is. And you made this movie, you goofball. Uh, it's, I just I love that. I loved that moment watching watching this week because just for the Revenge, hands down, one of my favorite reviews I've ever read is Roger Ebert's review of it, uh, but partly because of the continuity error. But then watching Joseph Sargent talk about, you know, at the front of the boat, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Right, Kelly-
0: oh, go ahead, Kelly Well, just like in terms of like people not being wet, but in Black Knight, Martin Lawrence is like, it's not even just water. But it's like filthy water, like he's digging trash out of a miniature golf course moat at the beginning and falls into it and then emerges from like a medieval lake that's got like mud and uh, shit in it, I think. And he's not even wet then, like he just staggers out and you're like, and you can just tell that he didn't even get wet for that shot, like even his feet wet. (laughs) so infuriating and that's supposed to be the joke is like oh my god i'm in this like filthy old era and he's cu- but it's like a pg-13 filth or something
1: all right kelly one i'm putting that down for your number one favorite continuity error <laughs> it's kind of better than my number one what is your number one pick
0: my number one is uh in the matrix
2: <laughs> <laughs> when the motorcycle is actually in the other movie
0: oh yeah that's a good one but uh it's when Trinity holds a gun to the agent's head and she holds the gun to his temple and then she goes, dodge this. And then there's a long shot of her and she shoots him and then she's shooting him in the forehead, like from straight ahead of her, which he could have dodged. That's why it bothers me. So the Wait, position the, that,
2: the, that Carrie
1: Ann Moss is is holding the gun to someone's head. She's holding the gun to the side
0: of shots. his head. I don't yeah, understand. and then the next one is it's she's she's like standing right in front of him, and there's no possible way that he could have just pivoted his body ninety degrees. Presumably, but she also has time because she says "dodge this," which gives him time to dodge too. But that's not really a continuity error, huh? All right, well
1: maybe it's just one of the things that in the, can happen in the Matrix. Maybe it's just a glitch in the Matrix and not a continuity
2: error. Oh, the cat, the cat could be a uh, continuity error. No dingus. Oh. Kelly Wand, don't let him get away with that. There's a cat. (laughs)
1: That's how you know, glitches in the Matrix, Kelly Wand. You should watch that movie sometime. Kelly Wand, did the listeners have any favorite continuity errors?
0: I've only seen the third one. (laughs) Third listener? The only one that's canon. Luke S. writes... Number three, Atomic Blonde. Following Wait, this- hold on. There's Wait, no, no continuity no. errors in that movie. There's no, no, no.
2: I, I <laughs> disagree.
1: Flawless. It's perfect. Everything. David Leach knows what he's doing. Nope. All right. Let's I hear this one, Lucas.
2: Tell us there's one in Logan. How dare you?
0: <gasps> Never. Atomic Blonde. Following the stellar apartment fight, Charlize Theron's spy Lorraine is driving away from the scene being chased by an SUV. She, fr- she frees. Jesus. She fires several shots into its windshield, killing the occupants and causing the vehicle to flip and come to a stop in the middle of the street. She drives on but is immediately blocked by another enemy SUV pulling out in front of her. She throws the car in reverse, and the camera swings around and reveals that the famously efficient Berlin Road Crew has managed to clear the first wreck <laughs> from the road oh. in eight seconds.
1: <laughs> I didn't. I, I, yeah. I That's wonder a good if, one.
0: Yeah. I love the famously efficient
2: Berlin Road Crew.
0: Vehicle ones are always interesting to me because there's like this whole thing of the Dark Knight chase that What's-His-Name did online. He's like, see? Now what lane is the car in? Wrong! I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I don't what? either. How far back did I lose you? Atomic <laughs> One? <laughs> <laughs> Number well, the, two. The,
1: notoriously, the, uh, I think it's the I don't think it's the Mustang. Is it a Dodge or the, one of the cars in the car chase? And bullet loses five
2: hubcaps in the course what? of the car chase. Yeah, wait a minute. It, it loses something from the spare.
1: Oh, good point, Dingus. It might be. It might be the hubcap rolling off of the spare tire. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> good call. I've always thought that was a continuity error, but Dingus, I think
0: you've solved it. Very good. There's All right, what, a good one we in Commando too, where like well, the car trying to track.
1: Okay, yeah. I, right. I should have saved that for the runners up. That might be someone's yeah. pick, my bad. Good
0: uh, number two, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is the. I kind of remember it being airtight, but Luke S contends a Bible salesman is interrupted during his pitch to a couple when his car is sideswiped by a truck. I don't remember any of that. He rushes outside to holler at the offending driver, but is inexplicably terrified when he spots another semi backing up towards him. (laughs) He turns and does his best Throd impression, sprinting directly away from it. (laughs) (laughs) He appears to change his mind in the close-up, though, as he suddenly runs face-first into the trailer and is sent sailing into a ditch somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that stuff always b- bothers me when they're facing something and then something hits them from a different side. It's kind of like the Matrix thing. I feel like yeah, I vaguely remember. Thing.
1: I, I vaguely remember someone, like maybe David Paymer or someone like that, throwing himself into a ditch. And that, like that, used to be what it was like when you got hit by a car. Is the camera would just rush up at you, and then you would yeah. have either a stuntman or the actor just falling into a ditch. Trying to make it look violent, and, and the implication was that the car threw you there. I vaguely remember wow. something like that from Maximum Overdrive.
2: Number Do you remember one, the, the knowing moment where the airplane's coming down and he's looking in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Dingus. Yeah, that's where the special effects and the actor just were on different pages. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
1: Or
0: he's seeing another one, but it's not important to. <Okay>. He should have gone, hey, hey, to the plane when it crashed. <laughs> and, like, the pilots react to him. Number one, Sleepaway Camp 2. <laughs> Who no laughing, Angus. These are legitimate movies.
2: Luke S. <laughs> this is Luke S. All right, great. Mm-hmm. I like Sleep- Luke S. a lot right now. I do, too. I like all these.
0: Sleepaway Camp 2, Camp Counselor and Tom Cruise parody, TC's Mutilated Corpse. Is a seat on the floor of a cabin. Wait, camp counselor and Tom Cruise parody TC. That's all one character. I get it now. His. Now I have to see the movie to understand what that means. Though I wish his, you would diagram the sentence for me. Camp counselor and it's Tom basically Cruise his character parody. TC. Yeah, the, TC. TC is the character's name.
1: He's a camp counselor and he's a Tom Cruise parody i guess you oh, oh, know okay like
2: i only think of tc as being from Pi, but okay
0: right me too uh his mutilated corpse is seen on the floor of a cabin but continues to appear in the movie until he is finally killed theron <laughs> <laughs> all right that's so weird that makes sense. <laughs> not the theron one his, his mutilated corpse is seen on the floor of a cabin, but continues to appear in the movie until he is finally killed. It's like they shot his
1: death
2: scene. And then he's in the movie. And then
1: they, and it, but then it was edited in a different sequence. Uh,
2: oh, OK. OK. Thank you. All right.
1: And that's hardly surprising about those movies, by the way, like cheap slasher movies like that. The first the first uh, sleepaway camp, like if you don't know the twist, is kind of <laughs> shocking.
0: What is it? You want me to tell you? No, I guess not. Wait, well, it's, it's actually
1: kind of famous. It's a famous ending. Um, Sleepaway have, Camp famous ending. That the that the little girl is actually a boy. Like it's a shot oh, of a penis. It's basically. it's It's like a it's like a I mean, it's crying, like a crying game. game moment.
0: Yeah. Wait, that it, it's an actual. It's like a kid's penis scene.
1: Well, they so no, they did it. They 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 didn't yeah. want to show the actress nude. Like you think she's a little girl the whole movie. So they they actually and this is kind of. There, there's a following for the Sleepaway Camp movies. There've been three, maybe there might be a fourth one. Fancy. Uh, and the, the director is kind of like a cult uh, personality. Like they, they have, I, I, I guess, conferences or cons for Boy Camp, and the director is, is, I think, is pretty much the only thing he's done. But he's talked about how, you know, you can't. Basically, he hired a tiny me, uh, adult male to wear a mask that looked like the little girl, and. That might sound cheesy, and it kind of is, but it adds this – an even more horrific uh, aspect to that final shot because this actress suddenly – like her face is in this weird frozen element. It's because it's a mask of her. It's not actually her, and you're supposed to see she's naked, and she's got a penis. Uh, It's super weird. It's super weird. Is it a real penis though? Yeah, it's a real naked dude. Yeah, but he's wearing a mask that's trying to resemble the little girl who'd been playing this role, who you discover is the killer, who's not in fact a little girl, but is a feminized little boy who was raised as a girl and is therefore psychotic.
0: So that actor to calls mom that weekend, and she's like, so wait, what's the new role? And he's like, uh, all right. here's the You scene. won't see my face wait. in it, first of all. I'm wearing so a how mask. Long,
2: how long ago was this?
1: Oh, this is the heyday of the, the slasher movies in the in the wake of – like uh, Halloween must have been, what, 78, and then Friday the 13th was maybe oh, 80 or something. 80. So it's a, it's a movie from the 80s. Yeah.
2: So Let the Right One In kind of owes something to that. Mm. <laughs> so I,
1: I think gender, gender swapping goes back to Shakespeare even before that. I wouldn't be that generous, Dingus.
2: Oh, Shakespeare. Uh, Ooh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> The poor man's Chaucer.
1: I do actually like – you know what? I like Dingus. Like, I, I think you could probably write an erudite article about the commonality, the points of commonality between sleepaway camp and let the right one in and throw in a little orphan. So, Dingus, you know what? Fair enough. I think you're on to something.
2: Right. When you just, talk uh, – I couldn't help but think about that.
0: Yeah, right. yeah. Dingus, what about in Untouchables when Connery tells Costner, you're the man now, dog? <laughs> That's a good part.
1: <laughs> All right, Luke's number one. Have we gotten there? Did he send in three? It
0: was Sleepaway Camp. Oh, it, <laughs> oh, it was Sleepaway Camp. camp. Number okay. two was Maximum Overdrive, and number three was Atomic Wands. Atomic Wands, right. I've yeah, wiped Atomic Wands from my
2: mind. Have you read anything by the director of Maximum Overdrive recently, Kelly?
0: Yeah, Sleeping Beauties. He read it with his <laughs> other son.
2: The, Sleeping uh, Beauties
0: Camp? The Zeppo of the King children, I believe. <laughs> by the way... Uh, While Tom was talking about (laughs) something. At the end of this podcast, I want to do an impression of Steve Buscemi as the prisoner. Okay. So get. Okay. Some Tom said made me think about that. I look forward to that. (laughs) So look forward to that. Mason Mistaka writes Have I ever said that word? That name before? (laughs) Mason Mastaka? Some it right? no worries hello quarter to three movie podcast friends thanks to the new 3x3 standalone format I can forget and remember the topic several times before the deadline <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone here's my favorite worst continuity errors number three anime exclamation point <laughs> 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 like mother in the 1984 hey Al, Miyazaki's Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind Nausicaa he has the little umlaut even on it does a, <laughs> does a costume change after she's captured by the Tolmekians <laughs> Her new tunic changes color from red to blue after the climactic scene. I've watched the movie a dozen times and never found a reason why it happens. Maybe it isn't the worst, but it is anime. Who captures her, Kelly Wand? Uh, The (laughs) Tolmekians? Nausicaa. (laughs) Number two, Highlander 2, The Quickening. <laughs> I remember seeing that with my mom and being
2: disappointed.
0: We just looked at each other and went, "This isn't what I was expecting." Like really bummed.
2: Like, yeah, uh, I thought it was my dad. I was equally bummed. Yeah. Remember those
0: platforms that they chased around on? <laughs> I didn't like how they retcon Connery is alive again too. Anyway, Connery. Retconnery. This was the first film that came to mind for this topic. The last 20 minutes of this movie is a textbook example of continuity error. In the build-up to the final scene, Connor McLeod I mean, everything's anime. We think about it. Connor McCloud of the Clan McLeod's coat changes from a jacket to a long coat several times. Then in the last fight, his weapon switches from a long sword to a short sword repeatedly. <laughs> This pissed me off when I saw this in the theater in 91. It still pisses me off today. <laughs> there can be only one continuity error per island. I <laughs> oh, see what he did there. That was me. Uh, oh, that number was one- yeah. Uh, never mind. I was going to say Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I held back from saying something dumb and then just said oh, I almost said something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, the worst continuity error of all movie is the new computer style of the Alien movies.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? I love that one, and I thought about this. That's oh, awesome, well, Mason. I don't know what
0: that means. What does that mean? Well, let Mason explain it. Yeah. I love In this. The- Mason, this is great. Yeah, I think I know where he's going. I thought about doing this for all of them because it's kind of like the RTD2 thing. But in the recent Alien movies, a decision was made to switch from 70s style clicking and buzzing CRT computers to iPad touchscreen swipe pinch and zoom bullshit. Just writing that put the startup sounds of the Nostromo in my head. If Prometheus and Covenant are prequels, why is the text so damn shiny? Shouldn't it look more like 2001? Even Alien Resurrection had the appropriate level of monochrome in its technology.
1: And Alien Resurrection was like 400 years after, too. Like even yeah. even then. So apparently, in Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant, like all of this super, basically, it's like the glass cockpit oh, okay. concept that the iPad. Personifies Like that was technology. And then for whatever reason, later, it became all this like analog clicking, whirring with switches and blinking lights because no one making movies doing production design back then anticipated this idea of a glass cockpit. But it's, it's incredibly jarring. And to me, it just shows how little Ridley Scott honors his own source material.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and it's less scary, too, because the, the computer noises that Mother made were freaky and, and inhuman. And, but I, I just assumed, like, oh, it's because they give the miners the shitty computers because they're just fuckwads as opposed to the… Yeah, uh, but how do you explain
1: the Sulaku? Like, these are colonial marines, this right. should, and, and even this is a state-of-the-art firepower, as Hudson even famously says, I think, in a, in a deleted scene. Like, the, the Sulaku, the colonial marines, have the same technology. Yeah. So if they, get, they must have given the military… Uh, crappy technologies. but it's clearly a matter of Ridley Scott just saying, you know, this is going to look weird if we use 70s avionics and control panels and interfaces. It won't, though. It
2: It won't, won't. No, it would make it into a period movie, is the problem, and they don't want it to be a period movie. They want it to be post-minority report. Well, exactly, and and look at uh,
1: Blade Runner 2049, where Denis Villeneuve clearly understands Sid Means design and how to push it forward a little bit, you know, like right. thirty years or whatever, like right. without, and because again, this was in, this was imagined in the eighties, and there's not a whole
0: bunch of like iPad crap in in Blade Runner, but that know. was the first moment in Prometheus when I went, ugh, yeah, is is when they saw when I saw what he did with the computers. I'm like, really, dude? This is your to Alien. Way. Yeah. yeah, like you put that little thought into this movie, that doesn't bode well for the next two hours. Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> but Mason, I
1: mean, Mason, that's a great pick. Uh, yeah. But you know, uh, at a certain point, a continuity—I mean—and actually, I, yeah, that's a continuity error. But it's a continuity error where the director, the, the creative person behind the movie, just doesn't give a damn.
2: No, he just—he he basically made a design choice. He just said, "We're just going to go with modern. Go, let's go." I just can't. It wasn't like they accidentally, like, oops. Right, it's right. It's just like, we're just going to, you know, screw it. We, we want it, it, just, to look, it. we want it to look glossy. Yeah,
1: it feels so wrong that it, to yeah. me, it's an error. Like, it just is not... Especially
2: oh. when you, and I didn't even think about this, uh, when you think about Ridley sitting in that, like, in that console room and, like, punching keys and whatnot and talking right. to a Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's a, a,
1: a video game called, uh, oh, shoot, Alien... Kelly Wan, what's the subtitle of the alien video game? Uh, alien Conception uh, or Alien Inception uh, uh, or something. Uh, 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 at any rate, the, the big budget alien video game that came out a few years ago uh, it is really good at recreating this space station that has that feel of avionics from 1979. Hmm. I mean, it's clearly drawn from that that movie and just moving through the space station and seeing the layout and the design and interacting with things like how you open doors and how you punch stuff into computers they isolation, just, isolation. thank you kelly wand uh, they did a spot-on job of honoring the production design of alien which ridley scott couldn't have given two shits about with uh, Covenant covenant prometheus yeah
0: but i couldn't so, finish that because the alien kept killing me it was too, too smart
1: it's it's not a it's, a it's a beautiful environment, but it's not much of a game. I feel,
0: yeah. Yeah. He kept he, I, he could smell me in the locker. What Don't kill I want you stink? That's a good point. And my locker's not exactly a fucking uh, ambrosia. Uh,
1: all right. What is Lucas? What that was Lucas's
0: number one. Pick. <laughs> that was Mason. Mistake is Mason. Right. Right. And even oops, we've moved way past Luke. Then he says, that's it for me. Thank you for making my favorite movie podcast. Oh. Mason. So we're probably his only movie podcast. (laughs) JK. Josh Lubliner. Well, despite having a month to work on this, I only have one continuity error to talk about. It's in the movie X-Men Days of Future Past. Now any (laughs) time travel movie... Okay. This isn't the one I thought it was gonna be. Now any time travel movie is gonna have some problems, except time lapse. Have you seen time lapse? It's a completely self consistent travel time travel movie. I recommend it. Near the beginning of Days of Future Past, during the scene (laughs) when Professor X first appears, he has a sort of hovering wheelchair. If you look closely at the hover chair, you'll notice something very odd. Professor X is sitting in it and he's alive, which is odd since he was completely disintegrated in the last stand. Oh, that is the one. Now, some people tell you there's an after-credits sequence that shows that Charles transferred his consciousness into another body, but that's nonsense or another continuity error since he still looks like Patrick Stewart and he still can't walk. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I've mentioned this one before, and I thought of it all every time I've seen Patrick Stewart's Professor X character since – I thought about it during Logan.
2: Oh, whoa. Oh, wait
0: a minute. Yeah, it kind of ruined Logan for me. I'm like, wait you- – we're in a little kid's body. Please refer to that at least once. You've seen a psychic <laughs> f- fuckwad character. I love Josh it's L. Steve, Steve Murray Burton character. Yeah, not a continuity error, or is it? It's retcon error, right? But that's got yeah. the word "con" in it. That's true, Kelly Wand.
1: Yeah. A ret continuity error. Sure, that works. Good you, so you guys don't know time lapse. I'm guessing that's
2: not your bag. Right? Oh, no, do you know that, Tom?
1: Yeah, yeah. Time-lapse is – so the premise – unfortunately, time-lapse suffers from this idea that in order for a horror movie to be interesting, it has to start teenagers. Uh, And uh, Kelly Wan, do you know who Daniel Panabaker is? Yes. Oh, okay. So she's the chick in it and she's she's (laughs) fine. Uh, Matt O'Leary is in it. He's a little kid who played Brain in Rick who grew up to become a super annoying actor. So I don't care for Matt O'Leary and then the third guy I don't care for. But the premise is these three friends live in an apartment, and they discover facing their apartment through one of the windows in in an apartment across the way. There's a camera pointed at them that takes a picture at the same time every day, and the picture that it spits out is 24 hours into the future. So they can go over there, and they can find that picture and see what is going to happen in their window in 24 hours. And then they see a murder. So it's, it's that sort of thing. So at first, they're sort of like, okay, we're going to try to recreate it. And then they're trying to get out of the time, like the this predictive time thing. They, they try to benefit from it. Um, right. uh, so it, it's, it's an interesting movie. It's a really cool script, but it's kind of got annoying teenagers in the lead. And it has this weird, hey, let's introduce a crime boss at the end kind of bit, which I don't care
0: for. Um, That's a pretty cool horror movie. They really should make those kind of premises with different aged characters. Like it doesn't have to be a fucking t- t- Taylor Lautner dipshit. Well, that's, a, that's what you – I mean I, I'm pretty
1: – you at one point – I'm pretty sure this is you, Kelly Wand. A movie like The Thing could never be
0: right. made now
1: where it's all you know, 40-year-old balding mm-hmm. scientists.
0: <laughs> it wasn't even made when they, re, when they did the prequel. They just right, put exactly. a bunch of young
1: people in There's, it. There's a bunch of hardy Norwegians and Brie Larson – or no.
0: Uh, Mary Elizabeth
1: uh, Exactly right, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, yeah.
0: And
2: like Joel Edgerton, right. Yeah, well, is, when there a, in a... is there a rear window kind of a feel to what you're talking about? Oh, yeah, about? yeah, very
1: good thing. It's, exactly, yep, very much so, yep. Hmm. This whole idea of we're being watched, what's up with that? Yeah,
2: yeah. But and you're
0: being can't watched yourselves. Right. right.
1: Yeah. What? And literally through the window, like that's the, the, the shot that they get every... every uh, Days, but how do they window. find out that that 's
2: going on I mean,
1: what- uh, let 's see they find one of the photographs and you could tell you know where the photograph is being taken from uh, and so they they try to figure out okay, where would this be oh it's that apartment over there let 's get into there and see what 's happening and there 's this like machine uh, and there 's pictures from like the last year of their lives like t- tacked up on the wall uh, and oh, to be honest okay. i don 't remember the resolution of like did aliens put this here like I forget all of that. Because it does become like the dude has an affair with the, the other dude's girlfriend. There's this like teenage. It, it's weird, and, and like one of the guys is, a, is an angsty painter who, you know, he's looking at the paintings that he's supposedly going to paint, and he has to kind of recreate them. Like, that's the thing; is it's a cool, thoughtful script that is messed up by having teenagers do it. Because uh. the whole thing, too, when the, like he's like, oh, this guy's going to make out with his girlfriend, like that. You know, when you're a teenager, you know, big deal. But if it was like your wife that you have been married to for a long time, like that's would be a cool plot point. How do you deal with that? You know, telling your friend and your wife to like go make out for this, yeah. this picture that, that prophesizes the future. Um would have been be funny if it was the friend, the roommate,
0: and they're making out. He's like, What? We're not no, gay. that's what I'm saying. What? It's
1: one of the pictures is the guy and his girlfriend and their friend, one of the pictures that they find is the friend and the dude's girlfriend making out. Like the girlfriend uh, cheating on him. Oh. Um, uh, so they're like, oh, well, we have to recreate this. Which, I, I, I get, you know, they're, they're teenagers. They're dumb teenagers. Like, big
0: deal. That makes me like the camera more, though. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see... One of the few things I liked in the new Blair Witch thing movie... Right. The, the, was uh, at the beginning, he's watching a video of right? someone dying. And then later in the movie, it's like that ha- like it's the video he's shooting at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's like time loop. Yeah, fuck. No, I
1: know that on. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I know what Adam Wingard was
0: going for, but I don't think the movie earned it. Like no, it was,
1: it's just like, a, hey, we'll just throw this twist in there and I don't yeah. But right, it it was kind of funny. It actually did that. I like this idea that you know, they get separated <laughs> from two of the people, and they find them later, and the people have aged ten years. Like, I like that whole this idea that the Blair Witch Project is a time-related phenomenon. Like, and that's it, a cool horror movie. And daylight never
0: comes back. Right. That was great. Right. Yeah. You that's, know what? Maybe I do like the Blair Witch Project remake. Know. you know what's about it? It has a dumb monster that you never see. And oh, weird. you're right. I forgot. No, you kind of do because it's chasing him. I forgot about that. I don't like that. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: the Blair Witch is like a, a long, spindly-legged monster. That's kind of dumb. You're right. Yeah. She's not the
0: Blair Witch. I want the Blair Witch. Yeah. Show me that, chick.
1: That on, if like... you see the Blair Witch, you're dead.
0: I know. I'm ready to take those odds. <laughs> <laughs> really All right. Hot... And by
1: the way, just just letting listeners know, you don't have to come up with three submissions. If you just have one really good one, like Josh's, send it in. We don't need yeah. you. You, don't, you guys don't have to come up with three. You don't even have to come up with two. Just give us one if you like. All you right, Kelly, one. Who's next?
0: Markardson. I was looking forward to this one. Mm hmm. put a lot of work into it.
1: I'll Chris bet you, Mark- Dollars to Donuts, Markardson didn't call out Atomic Blonde.
2: Yeah, no. I can't imagine that. You
0: might hate what he did, actually. Uh oh. Hey, guys, I want to apologize for being so wordy with my choices. I have some quotes to go with my picks, and I really, really apologize to Kelly. (laughs) I love it already. Number three, Prometheus. After the humans crash their ship into the alien ship, the alien ship crashes back to the planet and starts to chase Charlize. And to quote Kelly Wan, a chick who's kind of like Kathleen Quinlan, crossed with Shay from Game of Thrones, but slightly bigger boobed, but also by way of a young Dana Delaney, but the eyes of that chick from Northern Exposure. (laughs) Well, the ship is rolling. It faces one direction, but after it finally topples over, it faces a different direction. Total continuity error. You might be wondering why Eldra Selva crashed his ship into the alien ship. It's because of a conversation he had with the British chick. Here's some dialogue from that conversation. Eldra Selva radios the British chick and goes, hey, how'd it go? By the way, I just want to apologize if I've been a dick before. You guys are scientists. You know what you're doing. My job is just to get you here, leave the erudite types in charge of making the smart calls, communication-wise, research-wise, and she's all... Uh, Without taking any precautions and after it had already killed a bunch of us, we just woke up an alien who has tons of bioweapons, so now we need you to ram your ship into it. And hope that somehow <laughs> solves all our problems and also doesn't mangle continuity too much with the movie made 1979. <laughs> and, and he's all, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Markinson. <laughs> Number two, Prometheus. <laughs> The frizzy guy with glasses and a Mohawk Irish dude whose character is that he's supposed to be funny, scared, grouchy, out of the egg chamber and have a bad experience. At one point, there's a bunch of people <laughs> on the Mohawk Irish dude's faceplate, and then the next shot, his faceplate's clear. That seems like continuity here to me. You might not remember the scene, so here's a quote. Kelly so the two dumbasses unroll their sleeping bags. One of them's all wait out of every room in this place for spending the night in the egg chamber crawling with worms we left rather than entered before? I thought our characters were supposed to be chicken shits. Then a snake comes out of the water by his head and hisses and spits at him. He pokes its fangs playfully with his neck. <laughs> hey honey, what's the matter, huh? You like when I tease you, bitch? Hey, Charlie, I don't know if you should be doing that. Our character's supposed to be scientists, remember? Ah, quit being such a pussy. Look, she likes it when I pee on her, just like your wife. Hey, come on, Charlie. I don't know if it was all pee that night. Ah, you and your I don't know ifs. Look, her head's flattening like a cobra's and sprouting nine-inch fangs. Who wants a mustache ride? Yep, suck it, Harry Dean Stanton. I'm the greatest Ridley Scott character in the history of the 3 I ay yeah yeah, get her off my arm. Ah, uh, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in Canada and life was simple.
2: <laughs> That's me talking. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly, Kelly three. I Kelly. knew Chris had watched some, had listened to some recent podcasts, but he didn't realize he was going to be so comprehensive. <laughs> so awesome. He's just re, he's
0: typing it all out. Too. I it's, know. It's he's not so... me remembering what I said. He listened to
2: what I said and retyped it. <laughs> I bet you, dollars to Donuts, he could tell you it. Oh, the top of his head. He's a I smart dude. I know, he's too
0: smart to be quoting me this much. <laughs> that's my... That's oh, bad. I love this. I love this. Number one, Star Wars movies, Sister Kissing Brother. This has to be a continuity error between Empire and Return of the Jedi, right? I suspect the whole incident haunted both Luke and General Leia. Even 32 years later, when General Leia watched Sisters with Kelly Wand on the... LAUGHTER <laughs> couldn't help mentioning it. Thankfully, Kelly Wad, some music plays there in Florida. General Leah Leah, General Leah Leah ins over to me and croaks. In episode six, my character's most exciting moment is finding out she's another character's sister, which almost gets Luke killed during everyone's least favorite lightsaber duel. <laughs> Dingus, <laughs> Jesus. The Ewoks also braid my hair, so take that back to the test. <laughs> Dingus, wha- what? <laughs> Kelly won, scribbling furiously, I'm all, please keep saying stuff. Leah's all, well, Kelly, you see, every lightsaber duel ends conclusively a different way, but J.J. Abrams was the first to introduce a suddenly appearing chasm in the middle of one. That was his innovation. <laughs> Dingus, what's happening right now? <laughs> she Dingus, Damon Lindelof did do a little ghost writing. Damon Lindelof was like the ghost of Obi-Wan, watching and smiling over us. 24 in episode 7. Sorry, guys, Chris. <laughs> I feel bad, but I had to read it because he wrote it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel yeah. like
2: uh, doing it. You a, need to work on your Dingus voice, I'm afraid.
0: I felt like just now, like when Stevie Nicks did played a song in American Horror Story, that's how I feel right now. And they would just shoot her doing like a concert in the middle of the
2: episode. Well, I don't know what that means.
0: <clears throat> Arthur Giovanna and Jelly, right? It's number three, The Shape of Water. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Just saw this and the error happens when Sally Hawkins, Octavia... Sp- <laughs> Remember when Octavia Spencer was all... Mm, you get a flat, man. It's still never mind. What'd she say? <laughs> some <laughs> she kind of. Kind of thing. I'm fine with poop. I don't like blood. I like poop. This <laughs> <Does> she say... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she does. You're right. I remember it now. <laughs> Just saw this. Arthur Jovada jelly continues when Sally Hawkins, Octavia Spencer, and Michael Shannon are all in a bathroom and there's some business with towels. Basically, Hawkins puts the same set of towels down twice. We see her put the towels down near Shannon's mm. stun rock. Oh. Cut to Shannon and then just placing the towels again. It was
2: jarring. Do you remember what he calls his stun rod? Oh, no. Christine? No. Kelly, you one, did. I'm going to give
1: you a quiz. Okay. In which of these three movies does the word dingus appear? <laughs> Assassination of Jesse James, The Faculty, or Shape of Water? The Faculty? Hmm. Well, all three of them, so I guess you, I, I set you up to to win. It's in yeah. Shape of Water? That's what dingus Yeah, he is calls
2: that thing. He says, uh, this dingus does this. He's talking about his his cattle prod thing. Goes, this is what this dingus does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because th- the literal definition of dingus is what you'll call it. The thing yeah. this dingus does is this.
1: I He calls just... Elijah Wood a
0: dingus in the faculty. I think it's Cleo Duval actually. Yeah. I just watched uh... – a Mighty Boosh episode, and someone said dingus in that. So it might have erased my shape of water dingus. Well,
1: A, that's TV, and B, they're English, so we don't know what no,
2: they're I know. Now. But it's We don't know
0: what they're They don't say it in Pirates of the Caribbean, though. Although there are lots of dinguses in it. Number two, Jurassic Park. I don't know why I said it like that. During the T-Rex breakout, we see it calmly step over the cement lip of its enclosure. But when Sam Neill and the kids are trying to escape, that lip has turned into a cliff with a massive drop-off that's <laughs> tall tree. Wait, straight. really? <laughs> I don't yeah. remember that.
2: That's great. I kind of do now that he's mentioning it. I remember the drop-off, but I don't remember yeah. it being in the same place.
1: It's like it He comes out of the thing and the drop-off is to his right.
0: Right?
2: Huh. Isn't it? All right.
0: It's very strange. The T-Rex is big, but not bigger than the trees in the park. I noticed this issue when I was just a kid, and I was as confused then as I am now.
1: Well, Arthur, they were working out how to do CG back then. It was early, so
2: you know mistakes yeah. would be made. Yeah, And dinosaurs also were birds, so he probably just flew.
0: I remember being really bummed when I found out that Jurassic World... Wasn't about the whole world turning Jurassic. <laughs> it's just like, because I like, go, oh, that's the plot. Yeah, cool. Let's go. Oh, like Jurassic Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just assumed from the title. Yeah,
2: I we was just I lost. was just, I was similarly disappointed when I went to Disneyland.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and it the... wasn't overrun by dinosaurs.
2: No, that it wasn't the whole that it wasn't
0: all of our land. It's a good thing you didn't go to Disney World. Good point. I was always glad to get out of Disneyland and go, oh, now there's, I don't have to stand in
2: line anymore. Thank have to You for paying pay Thank uh, you the $6 for a pretzel. Right. You mean, no. Uh, dingus.
0: Number one, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. When <laughs> Mariodoc Brandybuck, <laughs> see, everything's that. Wow. British anime. When Mariodoc Brandybuck and Peregrine Took are captured by the orcs. Oh, yeah, I saw this one. Their hands are clearly tied with thick rope. During their escape however, those ropes suddenly vanish from the hands a peregrine took when he falls from a horse. I think he later cuts the bindings, but not until after falling from the horse, meaning they randomly disappeared and reappeared. Very right. funny. Yeah, it, aren't aren't his hands up when the, some, an orc's falling on him?
2: Boy, He's I probably, honestly don't remember. Yeah,
0: I'm sure the extended version explains all of that and clears it up. But then when they jump on the beds at the end... Their ropes are back on, and Frodo's <laughs> wearing the ring. Which is weird. That's a kind of is the
2: Where is the ring, though?
0: And Gandalf's alive again. What? <laughs> it's on his uh, dingus. That's what hobbits call him.
2: Thank you very much.
0: They also have hair on them. <laughs> Keith Leith writes. Greetings. These errors were measured using the Judd Index, a measurement scale I devised while watching a John Hughes movie. Number three, The Breakfast Club. Judd Nelson is angry and simply refuses to play by your rules, man. His face-off with the crusty old supervisor involves about a dozen cuts to close-up, each of which has crucial, unmistakable, and very real differences. His greasy mop of hair, the curl of his sneer, the flare of his cavernous nostrils. It might just have been an artifact of VHS, but for a moment, Judd Nelson was multitudes. (laughs) Judd Index, benchmark. Number two. Bug, 2006. Michael Shannon pulls some of his own teeth with pliers. (laughs) Remember that? Yet his dentition is subsequently revealed to be intact when he grimaces during a medical consultation. Judd index low level, boosted somewhat by a person named Judd in the vicinity. (laughs) That's Tracy Lutz, by the way. I remember thinking during Goon 2 uh, that there were too many shots of people with good teeth after a lot of headbutts. There's like a lot of blood spewing. Fascinating. Number three. He has two number threes. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 2008. There's a beach scene about an hour in, or was it two or three? Nine or ten rapid cuts between the person whose name appeared first on the credits and Russell Brand. Different clothes, different stances, different weather. In one of the shots, I think Brand is dressed as a pirate. Judd index, cataclysmic levels of Judd. or needle jumps the desk. Good day. Keith Leaf. Which Judd is in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Oh, Judd Apatow. Oh, very oh. Kelly, why wow. do you think just like Keith Leith? Well done. I'm, I'm embarrassed for me and you right now. <laughs> That's it for listeners.
2: I do love the Paul Rudd stuff in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, though. You're doing yeah, too much. You're doing too much. I don't think I've seen
1: it. A... I have not either. Yeah. I right. think you're on your own with that one.
2: Yeah, there we go
1: runners
0: up gentlemen oh <laughs> <laughs> wow uh and abbott and costello go to mars they go to venus that one always bothered me uh that's not a titles, continuity. it's not
1: i don't know that's that's, that's it's more like a geography error like russell crowe getting to spain in you know overnight
0: i see it as a continuity error from the title screen to the third act and then a giant dog chases them.
1: That's from before they knew how to make good movies, Kelly Wand. You know,
0: what did they are you think do? we? Did they think people don't know what Venus is? Mars, see? But why didn't they just make it Mars in the script then? Uh, I haven't seen those movies. I
1: don't know. I can't help you, Tom. And please all the people tear. All the people responsible for those errors, Kelly Wand, are dead. So I hope you feel bad. No. In an unrelated incident. <laughs>
0: yeah, called time. Oh. <laughs> But if that if that happened in RL and they were, I think they're supposed to go to Mars, but they wind up going to Venus by by accident. I once was in RL. Yeah, I pipe. once was supposed to go to
1: Texas, and I went to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> by on foot story. No, no, no I driving. I was driving to Texas with a friend of mine, and I assumed he knew where we were going. And I just got on the freeway and drove. And we entered Oklahoma, and we're going along for a while, and then at some point I realized, wait, the next state isn't Texas. That's below us. I said to my friend, wait, I thought you were telling me where to go. And he said, no, I thought you knew where you were going. Uh, I missed the, the largest state in the union other than Alaska, I, I missed it entirely. But
0: there's that strip of – isn't Oklahoma the one with that little strip that's above Texas, yeah, like a yeah. Tetris piece? It's called a panhandle, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Is that where you were? Were you touching your pan, panhandlers?
1: Uh, is, is that happened. right? I guess so. Yeah, is that where it touches Arkansas? Yeah. I but then you so. go back to Texas after that. Well, then we just you know turned left at a certain point, and you're headed All towards right. Texas. Yeah. See, that's the rule. Texas is easy to find if you sort of give it a sense of where. If you know where you are, knowing where Texas is is
0: relatively easy. Don't mess with where Texas is on your map on your right. GPS.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, so uh, Dingus, I guess it falls to you now to tell us. What um, will we be doing for the three-by-three on February
2: 28th? All right, so these are your favorite – wait, no.
1: February 25th, right. Make sure you get these in by midnight February 25th. What
2: are they, Dingus? These are your favorite parades, marches, or group protests.
1: Kelly Wan, do you have (sighs) any questions about that category?
2: Yeah, what was it?
0: I wasn't listening. (laughs) Parades (laughs) – Party
2: rests, marches, or group <laughs> marches. protests. I don't want like somebody going. I object. It has to be a group Just protest able- or a parade or a march. The right. jury has to object because I think this is uh, fairly uh, trenchant for what's what has happened recently. So, Sin- parades, marches, group protests.
1: Remember, you don't need three, but we'll be reminding you over the course of the month. Get those to us by February twenty fifth at midnight, and that'll be our podcast for our favorite parades, marches, and group protests uh next
0: week kelly Wand, what are we seeing we're seeing remember? vaguely it's a den of farts mm.
1: uh, consider there are people that steal things and matt what would you call it if they lived in a den people a who steal wretched things.
0: hive if they <laughs> no. stole things they lived in a den like lawyers <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer.
2: in the, um, den of wisely.
0: Pipe smoker, pipe smoking uh, grifters. This is a den of thieves oh, right. with,
2: uh, with
1: Gerard Butler, the guy who wrote whatever White House movie Gerard Butler is in. They let him direct his own movie. <laughs> they released it in January. We're going to see it and we're going to bring you a podcast about it Bears next on week. Huh. So uh, join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Malinsky.
2: It's Christian morosky
1: And now an impression of Steve Buscemi doing something what is he doing Kelly Wand in, uh, Steve Buscemi as the prisoner
0: <clears throat> how come I gotta be number six cause you're a fag alright one two three not only you and me get one, degrees, and I'm between one, two, three, part, I'm afraid, get down with three, be else open. also in Pretty Woman her croissant changes to a pancake <sniffs>
2: i prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct.
0: Dingus, HP Lovecraft, had no deep enmity of carrots. Uh,
2: say hi to my cousin. Which one? (laughs) Just talking to my cousin. The Leah Sidhu cousin. Oh.